right. So I hear we're going to talk about ACGC for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. I, I know I can do it. I drank some coffee. I'm ready to go. It sounds more daunting than it is. Like, how can I possibly fill two hours just talking about ACDC? But I'll, I'll try do my best. Okay, cool. You say so, that now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have, a lot of, I have a lot of faith in my ability to talk about ACDC for two hours or at least be part of a conversation with two other people talking about ACDC for two hours. Um, Excellent. So I think I can do it. But my first, my first question is, how? I, I know how old I am which is older than you guys i'm sure but how old, <laughs> old are you guys 40 40 okay and i'm 43 next late next week right okay so, well so that's that what the world like, needed is, is a bunch of old dudes talking about acdc right <laughs> no it's actually two two old dudes and one really old dude <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what right. we should call this episode that's right, that's right. Two old dudes and one really old dude wearing a hat at the bottom. <laughs> one old dude wearing a hat. <laughs> wearing a hat. But, well, let me, I'll start off with my first statement, which is how I got into ACDC, if nobody minds. Yeah, I, th- I think sure. we all should do okay. that, actually. I think that'd be good. Okay. All right. Well, um, I first was aware of ACDC back in 1977 or 78, where I was reading Circus Magazine. Which was uh, not as good as cream, but you know, back then there was still some pretty cool stuff in there. And I saw an advertisement for the uh, album Powerage, which just came out. And then there was like an article maybe around the same time. And they looked really weird, you know, they didn't look like Led Zeppelin. And, um, you know, ACDC, they have long hair, but also they had short hair, you know, you know they, they didn't mind cutting their hair every once in a while. And, uh, <laughs> You know, back then, everybody thought if you didn't look like Led Zeppelin, you were punk rock. So ACDC was punk rock. Cheap Trick was punk rock, their first album. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were punk rock. with all that punk rock shit. So I bought Powerage because I read the article and they looked really weird. You know, just, this is guy dressed as, you know, as a schoolboy or whatever. You know, they just looked really weird and their teeth were kind of weird. And <laughs> they just didn't look like a pretty, you know, like a regular rock band. And I bought Powerage, and um, I was floored. You know, um, before that, it was like, you know, uh, for me, Kiss was my gateway band. And after right after that, it was the usual suspects for uh, that time. It would be uh, Led Zeppelin, of course, and Queen, and Aerosmith, and a few other ones. And then, but, you know, ACDC were like, you know, around the time... In 78, all these, those other bands were starting to suck, you know, like yeah. Aerosmith was starting to suck, Ted Nugent was starting to really suck and then here comes ACDC and them and Van Halen's first record were like, that was like the next level pre-punk rock stuff, even though it was still kind of punk rock I hadn't really had heard a lot of punk rock yet, so ACDC just floored me like, you know, the songs on that record, the way it sounded, how weird they looked on the back cover, the front cover. It's kind of <laughs> stupid looking, but still. And, uh, you know, Iconically like stupid, song, though. Iconically stupid. Iconically stupid. And, you know, um, Bon Scott's voice is so weird, you know. I remember reading a review around the same time where somebody compared his voice to a weasel in heat, which I thought was a pretty <laughs> great, great picture. Amazing. 
So that's that's my introduction. So I'll, I'll shut up now. But that was that was it. Thanks, Brian. Tony, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, I was actually kind of sorry. I'm gonna get situated. I have to use my phone. My computer was not working. I tried to join up. No luck. But anyway. Um, yeah, so I was kind of a late comer to ACDC. I think I was maybe 22 or so when I it really kind of hit. And um, this is probably considered um, kind of a sacrilegious statement among fans. But I think, well, the moment when it really clicked for me, it was not a Bon Scott era album. It was actually the Back in Black album. And I was on a road trip. And I had a copy of it in the car, and I just popped it in and was like, wow. I mean, I I obviously knew who the band was from way back. My dad was into them and stuff, but it just never really gelled for some reason. And on that road trip, Back in Black just really hit hard. And it was the beginning of a long love affair with them. And it continues strong to this day. I mean, as I, you know, like dove deeper, obviously the Bon Scott era became my favorite personally, as most fans would agree that that's uh, a like, pinnacle era ACDC. Um, but yeah, uh, that's how I got started and just kind of worked my way back from there. Yeah. Back in blocks. It's like one of the best rock the- records of all time. So I think that's, yeah, yeah. It's only, it's only, yeah, it's yeah. The greatest, yeah. it's one of the greatest rock records of all time, and it's also probably the greatest sounding hard rock. Yeah, I think Brian Johnson is great. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a Bon Scott purist. Well, let's I mean, get in. Bon Scott, let's get into that the- in a second. Let me do my quick intro first. So I'm Conan Neutron. So that was Tony Ash, everybody, and then uh, this is Conan Neutron now. Your third old dude talking about ACDC. And for me, I actually grew up with rock and roll parents. I had parents that, uh, as parents, they weren't necessarily the best, but they listened to a lot of great music. So I got to know like Black Sabbath and Neil Young and uh, Beatles and stuff as a, as a kid. And my dad loved Back in Black and would kind of dance around the house with it. Uh, you know, he would bat in Van Halen. He would do karate kicks and things like that. Uh, so to me, it was it was sort of like a familial experience, and it wasn't something I thought of as anything out of the ordinary. But you got to yeah. understand, I had a very rock and roll upbringing. It wasn't until I found punk rock with uh, you know Nirvana and Sonic Youth and Butthole Surfers and Melvins and Jeez uh, Lizard and Fugazi and so on and so on that I kind of found the music that really made me want to devote my life to uh, a certain kind of thing. <laughs> touring and making records and like doing a podcast about music and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I never stopped loving any of that music. Now, additionally, I did a lot of touring as I believe we all did uh, in our twenties. And we always got stuck with the local Jesus Lizard ripoff band. And when I see Jesus Lizard ripoff, I mean, they only did like one thing that the Jesus Lizard does and they did it like adequately. And I, I just got so burnt out on hearing that kind of music. And it wasn't because I didn't like that kind of music. I just got so burnt out on it. So what I did is I ended up kind of just retreating into the classic rock realm. And I listened to a lot of Thin Lizzy, listened to a lot of classic Van Halen. 
And I really, really, really took a deep listen to ACDC, especially uh, the Bon Scott era, uh, Power Ridge, which is funny because Power Ridge, you mentioned that, Brian, uh, I, I want to get into that, but there's like no singles on that one. That's like the sound record. Like it's like the riff and yeah. sound record for sure. But yeah. what I found is that from uh, an approach of someone that had a deep interest in music and in rock and roll, but was getting kind of burned out on, for lack of a better term, 90 sounding noise rock, uh, I found it incredibly refreshing. And not only was the songwriting great, but I mean, good Lord, man, Malcolm Young is like one of the best rhythm guitarists of all time. Like just, I, I was able to hear it in a new way that connected with me that I don't think I was, I was listening to it as a kid before and listening yeah. to the ways that kids listen to it. And it really sparked the love affair that, uh, you know, even when ACDC's bad, <laughs> it's still good. It's still pretty good. Yeah. Like it's it, it's it's yeah. easily mockable, which is funny. Uh, sure. But it's still like it's still good. And even on the bad albums, there's still some good riffs and like some stuff where it's like, hey, you know, that's almost pretty awesome. And Brian, as we were talking about right, right before we started, some of the like more recent ACDC records are actually pretty darn interesting. Like there's some, especially think, the most okay. recent one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I, I thought the new the, the the one that came out just the other last week or whatever, Power Up, you know, Power was, Up. Uh, yeah, I like that record better than um, the one before that. And what's weird about ACDC and their recent records, I think, is that you know, like I like Brian Johnson. I know that after like the third album, Flick of the Switch, that his voice started to get really shrill and that. Yeah, he started and, to turn to a witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, you know, but like, I I think even on some of those records, like a lot of everybody thinks something different about ACDC beyond everybody agreeing that the Bon Scott era is usually the preferred one. And um, you know, for the latter Brian Johnson records, it seems like everybody that likes ACDC that would listen to those records and, and likes Brian Johnson, they all think something totally different about all those records. And for me, the last one was really good. And Ball Breaker, I thought, was a great record. And Stiff Up the Rip, I thought, was a great record, mainly. That's the one's got a Safe in New York City on it, right? If I remember right. Uh, yeah, Satellite Blues. There's like, you know, it's what I, is it as good as some of these other records? No, but it's still pretty darn good, I think, you know. Um, you know, so yeah, everybody has like a different take on what they like, you know. Tony, you saw a non Malcolm. ACDC Live uh, a couple I, years back, right? I did. Um, I think it was about it must have been right after he passed, maybe with I don't know how, or no, I don't think he had passed away yet, actually. I think he had he had left the band due to his health um, and Stevie had taken his spot, but I don't think he was gone yet. Um, I think this was about three years ago or so. We went to whatever the arena is where the Chicago Bulls play. I don't I don't know what it's called. <laughs> right. United Center, maybe? That sounds right. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, we went and, and like, saw them play, and it was an amazing show. It was one of the better big rock shows that I've ever seen. And it lasted for what felt like ever. I mean, it felt like and I was there. And that was just the Jack. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Sorry, Tony. So you saw, you saw the show. It was fantastic. They played a super long set, but it was totally awesome. Even though it was Stevie Young that was playing guitar instead, right? It was Stevie, yeah. Um, uh, like I said, Malcolm had not passed away yet, but he had definitely left uh, like due to his health getting worse. Um, and this is before Brian Johnson had taken a hiatus from live performances as, as well. Um, it was one of the last ones he actually did before he had to take his break due to his hearing. Yeah. Uh, and then Axel Rose phenomenal. filled in, huh? I forgot about that. I totally forgot he that did. was a thing that happened. Wow. The one singer. That, I'm sorry, what? That little known singer, Axel oh, yeah. Rose. Yeah. That boy rocks rip off band. What are they calling him? From the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Guns and the Colt. He was the singer for the Colt. Well, and, and, and didn't he, like, uh, like, he broke his foot, too, and he had to, like, sing from a chair? And, like, it was a whole, like, I totally I forgot this part of history. <laughs> There was definitely some video going around of Axel rolling around stage on a motorized wheelchair, <laughs> singing ACDC. And now that should be 2020. That would be the 2020 <laughs> mascot right there. <laughs> um, that was um, Rock. I think you saw them on the Rock, Rock or Bust tour. I think that was Rock or Bust. Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah. Bus. Yeah, and that was the one that Phil Rudd had to sit out because of his uh, problem. Oh, like, yeah, I, I don't want to. You're right. Yeah, I don't want to get into that because I think Phil Rudd is my favorite rock drummer of all time, and sure. I think everybody everybody has problems, and he seems like he successfully beat his problems, and he sounds great on the new record, and he looks good, and yeah. he's not that. Whoever that guy is, the Mr. Clean guy that plays drums. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, on um, Chris uh, Thunderstruck. Chris, Chris Slade. Slade, yeah, yeah. He's on the, uh, um, yeah, what's that record? The Razor's Edge. I never I never bought that record. But anyway, that, yeah, he was the drummer on, on the tour you saw, Tony. And, um, yeah, I knew it wasn't Phil. Um, I, I had no idea who it was. It was, I was just like not even caring at, at that point. I was just like so happy to be there. Well, it's, it, it's right. funny because I didn't even I didn't know anyone's name really at the time, but like I remember seeing the video and just being like, "Who's that guy?" Because it's like he's such a different looking dude than Phil Rudd. Like it's sort of like like, "Whoa, yeah. Mr. Clean's ripping it he's, up." <laughs> yeah, he has those two bass drums behind him. It's yeah, like, and he's like he's super stoked. Like, he's like, "Ah!" He's like going nuts. I mean, it's, it was awesome, but I was just sort of like confused at the time because I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand how bands worked. I was a kid, you know. I was. I was probably an asshole purist at the time, uh, you know, the way a lot of us are. <laughs> and uh, I was like, if it's not Phil Rudd, it's just not ACDs. I mean, like, the other guy that was in the band, Simon Wright, was also, he was a good drummer. I think Mr. Clean is obviously a, a great drummer. That's known, yes. Yes, he does, Mr. He doesn't have a name anymore. But it's like, name is Mr. Clean now. <laughs> Mr. Clean. No, he was in he was in Manford Man, and he was in the firm with uh, Paul Rogers and uh, what's that guy's name? Jimmy Page. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the firm. Holy crap! Wow, that that's like a that's Radio like a record Atlas. store worker deep cut right there. <laughs> the firm. No one remembers the firm. Everyone's kind of like, uh, like, oh yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing that happened. Yeah, that's. Uh, you never hear anyone talk about that Paige Coverdale Coverdale record either. Oh yeah, yeah, David Coverdale. Yeah. He did a record with the singer for White Snake. Yep, he sure did. Remember that? Remember when that happened? <laughs> Remember Kingdom Come? Boy. So, not intentionally, but yes. <laughs> so, so, all three of us are, are big ACDC fans. I think we've established that we're not uh, exclusively Bon Scott purists. I think anyone that isn't trying to like prove some kind of punk rock point has to concede the point that Back in Black is a hell of a record. Yeah. Uh, there, oh, yeah, totally. There, there is. I don't even think we need to like discuss that. I mean, we can discuss Back in Black, but I, th- I think its place in history is accurate. It, it's accurately rated uh, as one of the the finest rock and roll records of all time. Now, yeah. Now that said, they toured like crazy all the time, constantly. And you have to realize that Brian Johnson was walking into like some of the biggest shoes to fill ever. And it wasn't like he didn't already have his own voice as far as how he sung and being comfortable in that. But a lot of expectations that there's a, a this band that's like world famous with a vast discography and people were waiting for him to screw up. Yeah, and he didn't. Yeah, he killed yeah, it. It's kind of hard. No, his perform his performance on Back in Black, a, a, a mostly unknown singer stepping into Bon Scott shoes, and the first stuff he sings and writes ends up being the second biggest selling album of all fucking time. <laughs> right. You know, not bad. Like, yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad go, first, <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad first first effort, you know, for anybody. And that record sounds great. And, and you know, when the record came out, I was in high school and uh, I remember when Bon Scott died, which was kind of a big deal to me and my nerdy friends, but not as big a deal as John Bonham dying like a few, you know, later on. Yeah. But yeah, Back in Black came out and it was like everybody just went, Holy shit. You know, just from the word go, it was a great record. And he Brian Johnson kills throughout the entire record, you know. Yeah, it wasn't Bon yeah. Scott, but it was you know, it was pretty damn good. And the songwriting kinda elevated to different like a, you know, like on like Touch Too Much and stuff from Highway to Hell, the songwriting's a little different, a little catchier. There's more of that gang vocal interplay with Malcolm. Yeah, definitely. Black and Black is like that sort of going further. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, it was was really hard to argue against Black and Black um, not being a really fucking good album. And uh, it got kind of overplayed, but, you know, now is uh, uh, the oldest person in this uh, podcast by far. Um, I'd say it still sounds really, really great you know it's like it really does yeah it it's a fantastic album i mean i still put it on all the time and just am blown away by how good it sounds like the guitars are it is probably one of the absolute best sounding rock and roll records ever made yeah i mean it's kind of hard to argue with that it's like everything sounds exactly how it should perfect yeah and and there's certain things like uh, on the title track Malcolm plays the rhythm part and he plays it like three different ways. Like it's the same rhythm part, but he just changes it. Like it's real subtle. And it's like, it's something where I probably listened to that record thousands of times where everyone was like, Oh, he's playing that differently. Cause I was like specifically yeah. listening to it and you can hear it and you can hear it if you're listening for it. And that's, 
you know, credit to was it was Mutt Lang, right? Credit to Mutt Lang, yeah, uh, yeah, for putting that together because that's a, that's a hard when you're recording like a hell ass rock band. It's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard to get that level of detail. In there. Sure, and yeah. and also like uh, even the way Cliff Williams plays bass against what Malcolm and Angus do, you know, like he just plays it kind of it's subtle. There's little subtle things that he does where like. Is he actually following what they're playing, or is he going to step up or a step down? That stuff is all over all their records, you know? And it's like those little subtle details that make ACDC, you know, the band they are, really, because when you first listen to ACDC, especially, you know, if, I don't know, when you first listen to them and you just kind of think, well, this stuff is really easy to play. And then, you know, if you notice, when you hear people trying to cover ACDC, it never sounds right. It always, from, there's something from, missing from it, yeah. From from the drums, like, you know, anytime Phil Rudd is the drummer for ACDC, it just doesn't sound right. He's just their drummer, you know? And, like, when you hear people cover ACDC songs, no matter who it is, it always sounds not very good, you know? Because there's this subtlety to what they do and this chemistry that only they can do it. And yeah. people think that stuff is easy. You know, it's the same thing with like, you know, the Ramones or something like that, where there's this formula. People think that stuff is easy. And it's like, if you play music, you know, you're a bass player. I'm a drummer. And Conan is a guitar player. You know that that stuff actually is really complicated to play. You know, it's hard to be that precise and that tight. And, that and restrained constant. and constant. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. yeah. For, for, for a drummer, you know, when people say that Phil Rudd is a crappy drummer, I just know that they don't know anything about music, you know? I mean, which, <laughs> isn't to say, which isn't to say that I don't appreciate flashy, showy drumming, I do. But for what they're doing, he's the guy for doing that. And if you just deviate a little bit from that, even a millisecond, it just sounds wrong. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually some of the hardest drumming to do. I, I'm thinking of one of your cartoons, Brian, but it's ACDC with Neil Peart drumming. <laughs> no, no, it sounds like one that you would do though. Like I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning this in my mind's eye in your style because it would be I like to... that would be. It wouldn't be. It'd be interesting, but it's like it's it would be wrong. Not it's not this. It's not what that band is. It's yeah. like it's like it's it's like taking Neil. It's like um, who's similar to Phil Rudd? Like you know Ringo Starr or, or Charlie Watts or um, you know I was watching that interview that somebody did with Phil Rudd recently. Which is like, which is like the first time I've ever heard him say more than two words in forty years. <laughs> right. you know? And it's a great interview. And the interviewer goes, "Well, who did you like?" And I think he was expecting him to say John Bonham, and he said Kenny Jones from Small Faces. He brought nice. up the song Tin Soldier. He said Tin Soldier is what made me want to play drums and Ringo. So you know that's that's pretty cool. And and he's right. That, that's a great song, and Kenny Jones is a great drummer in the small face. Yeah, the I was like, prop, but, props props to the faces. And also, let's not forget, he also played in The Who, a little little band called The Who, after uh, like some of the biggest uh, drummer shoes to fill in the world that you couldn't possibly fill by doing yeah, that, imitation of. Yeah, that would be hard. I, I, I don't know. That must have been very difficult him to have done because it's not his style like, at all like Keith Moon and Kenny, no, and Kenny Jones no, are like not, not even close to the same style <laughs> that's like Charlie Watts joining the Who or something yeah yeah <laughs> how, how would that how would that be yeah what does that look like it wouldn't hurt yeah it wouldn't be very good you know so <laughs> 
So, uh, w- this is obviously, we're not doing this because we're, we're here to criticize ACDC, uh, but I think it would be interesting to talk about what's what's everyone's least favorite ACDC song. I, I alluded to earlier that I just can't fucking stand the Jack. I think the Jack is horrible. I think it's boring. I don't understand why they play it at every single show they've ever done since the dawn of time. I just don't like the Jack, period. I'm not a big fan of rock bands playing slow blues in general. Like, that's... Yeah. That's a thing with me, and I realize it's a me thing. But I just the Jack pisses me off, and I and I don't I don't want to hear it ever. And it's of of the song I say it's my least favorite, even though they've objectively written worse songs than the Jack. Let's be clear sure. about that. But I got to single out the Jack because they play it at every single show. Every single show, every yeah. fucking tour. It's like, is there really like millions of fans that just we don't want to hear it touched. We don't want to hear touch too much. We don't want to hear, uh, uh, um, you know, can I sit next to you, girl? We want to hear the Jack again. All 20 minutes of it. Maybe maybe the reason that you hate it so much, Conan, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of it either. I, it's by far one of their worst songs that I know of. But, <laughs> but maybe, I feel like maybe the fact that it's sandwiched on an album with so many amazing songs yes! <laughs> would make it seem a little worse than it maybe actually is, even though it's still bad. Yeah. It's like and reverse the shine theory. Different. Yeah. <laughs> and the lyrics and the lyrics on this you're talking about high voltage. High voltage. Sandwich between right. the sandwich between rock and roll singer and live wire. Yeah. Yeah. And the lyrics are different on the studio version. It, it's kind of like the I'm playing a I'm playing a game of cards instead of just coming out and saying I have gonorrhea or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I would be really mysterious about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then like, and then like the other the other record, like, it's like let's see, Vaughn, what lyrics do you got? Well, I got these lyrics about. Getting gonorrhea or playing cards with a girl as a metaphor for sex. What should I? Why do? not both? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> we'll just do both. Why not? <laughs> and then like a uh, dirty deeds, the album, and I. There's some great songs on that record, but I think that's probably the worst Bon Scott era record. Um, yeah, you're not a big fan of Dirty Deeds, are you? I like some of the songs, but I think, you know, it has Big Balls, which, you know, was funny, admittedly funny in a Dr. Romano kind of way the first 8,000 times you heard it. And then it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I'm... And, um, you know, Love at First Feel, and, you know, yeah, I was a teenage boy, and I hadn't had sex yet, but it was like... Stuff. <laughs> it came it was the stuff. target audience, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the target audience, but I still had that sort of secondhand embarrassment, kind of like... Yeah. It was like... Listening to those songs is like watching a movie with your parents, and suddenly there's like a half, there's like a a, a, a makeout scene with a half nude uh, <laughs> woman, and you're, you're watching with your parents. That's what listening to those songs is like. It's like, oh, it's kind of you know whatever. <laughs> right. So, so I, I would say uh, again of of the quote unquote good songs because there's songs that are just bad. There's a like, song. They're, they're, uh, Big Balls is a well-written song that, like, it it sounds very clever the first time you hear it, and it sounds a little less clever literally every time afterwards. It sounds a little less clever when you're like an adult, and it sounds really clever when you're like a teenager. Yeah, boy. when you, if you're like 12 years old, you're like, "This is awesome!" You know, great, good for you. But like, yeah, it, it's 
it, it does what it's supposed to do for who it's for, but it sucks. <laughs> it's a, it's some Doctor Demento stuff, and that's coming from someone who used to obsessively like cassette tape the uh, Doctor Demento show too. But like it's like, here. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So so would you say so then, Brian? Is is your pick for worst ACDC song? Big balls, then? Or are you going to stick with the Jack? Of, of the Bon Scott era? I would say the Jack is worse than Big Balls. Yeah. It's bad. And, and, and the third the third song I throw in there, as far as being a really crappy song, is um, it, it's kind of funny, too. Is, but it's uh, She's Got She's Got Balls. Oh, she's Got Balls. Yeah, that's, that's like... <laughs> it's like... I know see a theme here. Yeah, he's... <laughs> a lot of balls going on. <laughs> you know, they could have stuck... In, you know, with that for the future, like they could have just named all their songs after the ball, like Hell's Balls, Kicked <laughs> in the Balls. <laughs> Hell's Balls is, is an all timer. That's pretty good. Balls. Isn't that I a Ray Coalition song? <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> oh, that's that band that sounds like ACDC, right? From the 90s? They, yeah, their first two records didn't. They kind of sounded like a. Um, they came 90s from, rock? Like more Fugazi, Jehu esque kind of thing. And then, like, uh, they had a, a, a. They they went. There was like a tour that was like between two of the records. And that's when they wrote all these songs. It basically is all the stuff that they were listening to, which, as I mentioned, is the same sort of stuff I was. They were surrounded by all this, you know, you know 90s post punk and, and, and uh, you know, noise rock and stuff like that. And they just, they were like, let's write some music that's uh, like the stuff we listen to. And it basically sounded, at first I thought it sounded like Grand Funk Railroad, but then it's like, oh no, it sounds like ACDC. Uh, <laughs> like in a good way. Like, I mean, it's 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 good. And, and Tony Tony and I have have a, uh, not a riff necessarily, but a slight difference opinion on that. He, I think he's, he's the bigger Rye Coalition fan than I am. I'm coming around to the Latter-day Rye Coalition. Yeah, well, I, I think I might be a bigger fan of, like you said, of the Latter-day era. Like that stuff just really really hit me hard when i first heard it and I, I i don't know but the other stuff is good like all their stuff is good i mean we're not talking about right coalition but i get it yeah it's but their acdc kind of homage slash uh like ripoff era is the best i think <laughs> so well, so i didn't know we played with them and i didn't know that's what they were doing at the time, so I, I was super expecting to hear like the stuff, like you know, the, the crazy kind of you know, Jesus Lizardy from New Jersey kind of stuff, uh, with hooks. And they played one of those songs as the encore, and everything else was the new album. And I was like, okay, I didn't expect that. That was cool, but that is, I, I feel like there's a lot of confused faces in the crowd right now that are having the same reaction I'm having. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're not talking about Rye Coalition here, which uh, that, that, that'd be another thing entirely. So we were talking about, oh yeah, so worst ACDC song, Hell's Balls, which is amazing. Uh, Tony, <laughs> Tony, how, how about you? What's what's your what's the worst ACDC okay. song for you? Um, I'm actually going to single out a track on the new album, Power Up, which my wife Stephanie and I listened to on our way down to Louisville a week or two ago. Um, it was the night that it came out, so we were driving in the car overnight, and at midnight, we were like, oh shit, the new ACDC album's out. So we like got on Spotify and like played it immediately. And um, we were just listening to it, kind of like rocking out, being like, yeah, this is pretty good. And then she actually pointed out, 
I think it was during the second song, which I'm sorry, let me. Uh, what's it called? Uh, rejection. Um, she was like, "These are pretty fucked up lyrics. Have you been, uh, like been like listening to these lyrics?" And I was like, "No, because who listens to ACDC and let's about balls? No one's listening." Yeah. <laughs> If it's not, she's and... got balls. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so I started listening, and I was like, "Yeah, these are pretty fucked up, man." I mean, not that you look to ACDC for for anything, you know, PC or anything like that. I mean, that would just Bob be Dylan. stupid, right? <laughs> but the lyrics to this particular song are pr- actually. They might cross oh, that's, a line. That, that's the one that, like, if you reject me, I'll take what I want. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would it, it's a little rapey sounding. Yeah, I, I got. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just right there enough where it's like, uh cringe. Like I, I'll I don't feed know on you or something. Is it, like one of the lines I think, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. Is he talking? Is he talking explicitly about a, a, a person that's uh, a female? Because I haven't even like. If you listened to the lyrics yet. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't listened to his lyrics yet. I listened to some of them. But... Yeah. So that song's cringy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I remember. Uh, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, Tony, but I feel like no, I, I listened to it a couple times. I was like, oh yeah, that's good. And then like third time through, I was like, whoa, what the, the hell's going on? This is this like okay, what's up, Jordan Peterson? You know, like. Well, the worst part <laughs> is that it, it it's actually probably my favorite song on the record aside from the lyrical content the lyrics kind of after stephanie pointed it out and i listened to it and was like oh man that kind of blows but (laughs) but the riffs are like fucking awesome it's one of the best songs on this album so it's kind of a weird spot to be in but just off the top of my head i would have to say that for the reasons that i stated those are good reasons. Yeah, very good reasons. So, that, and that's of course the new record, Power Up, which we haven't actually talked about yet. I, I, I'm with you guys. I think it's a really good record. Um, you know, like yeah. pseudo rapey lyrics, notwithstanding, uh, uh, <laughs> the one song. Like it sounds way better than it has any reason to sound for a band that advanced that really has nothing to prove. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they didn't have to make an awesome record. Yeah. They definitely could have just like retired or just like coasted on about their lives and but you know to come out in a year when it seems like I don't know I mean they're obviously not going to be do uh, like touring to like support the album anytime soon and to put out such a kick-ass record in a time like this like it's just pretty pretty fucking awesome I think yeah they save they save the year. I yeah. think it's like one of the only good years. things that's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the only good things that happened. Well, I'm looking at like that record coming out crystallizes this idea I had for this year where the year starts, pandemic starts, it really blows. Everybody's lives are affected. Meanwhile, you got a bunch of people acting like a bunch of jackasses for the better part of the entire year. Then the actual election happens, presidential election, and then Dickhead loses and is an even bigger asshole afterwards. Then a week later, <laughs> a week later after that moment, Power Up comes out. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And then a week later, 
It's number one in like 14 or 15 countries all over the world. By far the biggest record of the year. Yeah. So it's almost like it was. It's almost like a story that opened up for this year. Pandemic <laughs> starts. Everything sucks. It's real tough for a lot of people. It's, it's going to be tough for yeah. much longer. Um, people are stupid. Elections over. ACDC's album comes out, and then they save the day. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's when the uh, yeah. d- that's the just as the day was dawning moment for the yeah. year. Hey guys, guess what? We're still here. Yeah. We're still great. Yeah. So you know, and, and I think obviously those guys, you know, they're like the super humble multi-millionaires that don't need to do anything. Or I think they wanted to do it. Obviously, I mean, I don't know ACDC, of course, but I, I just think. The combination of just wanting to be together one last time for their fallen comrade Malcolm was obviously a, a very big motivator, and just the fact that they could do it, I guess, made them all say, "Well, we should just do it," and they did it, and they kept it a yeah. secret, which was pretty, pretty amazing for the most part. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, so you know, it was a very triumphant, very triumphant moment. You know, just like, um, um, you know. Kind of similar to Back in Black, they rallied the band to find Fortitude to go on without the beloved singer, and uh, we all know what happened there. And now they are doing the same as sort of a tribute to their fallen leader. And uh, there, there, there seems to be more of an emotional quality to this recording because they obviously felt like they had something to prove, or just wanted to do some a good job for uh, their. Fallen leader, Malcolm. Two, I have, I have yeah. two, two things to mention. First of all, I was one of those guys that, like, when Malcolm Young passed, I was like, "Well, that's it. There's no more ACDC. Forget it. It's over." And and that one of the reasons why is because he was so definitionally uh, such a huge part of the sound and the songwriting process. And even though he wasn't showy in the way that his brother Angus is, I just couldn't envision there being a creative unit called ACDC without Malcolm. I just couldn't envision that. And I'm, I'm yeah. very happy to be proven wrong. Honestly, very happy. To be proven yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. S- second yeah, thing, and this is just an observation, I happened to look at the allmusic.com entry for Power Up by ACDC, and apparently the album themes are TGIF, Cool and Cocky, <laughs> and Guys Night Out. Those are the three album <laughs> themes that are mentioned. Guys Night Out. Guys uh, Night Out. I guess I better yeah. tell all the... Somebody better tell all the women that like ACDC very much that that's that's the case. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a guy's night out <laughs> record, so that apparently. You know. <laughs> uh, Tony, uh, what's your? Do you have a favorite song on the new record? I, I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that I've listened to it enough yet to really pick a favorite. Um, I do like Shot in the Dark, which was the single off of it, the lead single. Like I heard that before the album was out, of course, and we put it on and it was like, hmm. Gradually <laughs> the head was nodding and... You, you go from like, stroking the beard to nodding the head? <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, well, well, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah. So that's just the off the top of of, of what the head pick, but I've only listened to the whole album through like maybe twice, so I don't feel qualified to answer that. Brian, how about you? Uh, we listened to the album about 30 times already. 
me and Kristen. Uh, she has it in the car, and, and uh, you know, I've played it plenty of times at home. Um, I would say um, through the mist of time, the one that's obviously for Malcolm is a nice poppy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's a well-written kind of catchy song, and just because I think it's funny, like um, the the money shot song. You know, just the idea of. Of course, they're gonna have a song called "The Money." Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> contractually <laughs> obligated. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's see, uh, we need some really, you know. And I just like the fact that the singer of ACDC is 73 years old and he's singing "Money Shot" and took this record to number one in 15 countries <laughs> this year. I mean, I can't think of a better endorsement than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. You gotta get it But the other thing about you know stuff like that is like. People that get down on ACDC for writing childishly immature and sex-orientated lyrics, I just think they're kind of missing the point. And obviously, some of the stuff that they did couldn't really come out in this day and age without, you know, people raising their eyebrows. But it's like, I, I even as a kid, I just didn't understand how anybody could really take that stuff very seriously. It seems like it's obviously it's like cartoony. A it's very cartoonish. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very cartoony take on that kind of thing. And the song "The Money Shot" sounds like you know it has like a Rolling Stones, Keith Richards kind of riff in it, yeah. not unlike some of their other stuff on their um, you know records of the past. So I'm going to say "The Money Shot" because I think it's funny and it's a good song and it has really stupid lyrics. And through the mist of time, for the uh, the touching um, emotional quality of uh, the song, which is obviously dedicated to Malcolm. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's my answer. I think Through the Mist of Time is uh, very, very cool in that way. And in a way, it almost is a song that doesn't quite exist on other ACDC records, which is unique because they've done a ton of records and yeah. they have a ton of different kinds of songs. And, you know, I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, they backed away from Hell's Balls for half a minute to do something real. And uh, <laughs> it's a good song, too. That works. Yeah, yeah. To go from kicked in the balls again to uh, do the best of time is you know, <laughs> irony's not not lost on me. <laughs> High, highway to balls. <laughs> Hell balls. Highway <laughs> to balls. So down payment. Ba- down payment balls. Down payment balls. <laughs> down payment balls. I, I actually think the song after it, which is spell, is pretty good too, and it's the kind of thing where I love it because. Brian Johnson has been slowly morphing into a witch anyway with his vocals for the longest time. On brand. Yeah. On brand. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he sounds really good. You know, like um, he had, you know, he had his rough, his rough records and his rough periods. But, um, you know, 73 year old man belting it out like that. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so I want to do a thing where, and we're not going to do it with every record because I think some of the, some of the latter day ones we can kind of sum up pretty succinctly. But let's just start from the beginning. Now, now the thing the thing you got to remember with ACDC is this is back in the seventies. Uh, there was the international release, and there was, uh, there was so there was there was you wouldn't if you we would have the same record, but it wouldn't necessarily be the same one. So if you're in Australia and you're in the U.S., you wouldn't necessarily have the same record. So there's, there's a TNT and there's high voltage. 
Now, I'm gonna treat this as like starting from the beginning with high voltage. I think high voltage is my second favorite ACDC. I would actually go highway first, then high voltage, even though, even though high voltage has one of their worst songs they ever wrote, as we, as we adequately <laughs> covered, the fucking Jack, which I hate. Hey, let's talk about it some more, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's cover the whole segment. <laughs> we should just talk about the Jack for like two hours. <laughs> for another hour. <laughs> and if, and, if, and uh, but that said, it's got TNT, it's got Livewire, yes. it's got Rock and Roll Singer. Got the title track and the opening song is it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, which has a yeah. bagpipe solo, and it's Can't amazing. Song. It, it's gonna, amazing. Yeah, how are you gonna yeah. how are you gonna front on that? Uh, so for for me, high voltage is uh, one of the best, even though yeah, it has one of the worst of the song, which we shall not speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tony. <Bam>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tony, what's your what's your thoughts on High Voltage? We'll go to you first on this one. Uh, high Voltage, I mean, it's so it's so hard to pick a favorite, and High Voltage definitely ranks up there as one of them. I I think it's going to be my number three ACDC album, if I had to really think about it. Um, I mean, it's a long way to the top, it's just... As I just said a second ago, you just can't fuck with it. It's so good. Yeah. It's the, it's like the simplest riff, and you, you can just play it all day long, and it's so goddamn good. It's a mission statement too. So it's like first album, it yeah. is ostensible first They're, album by a band, and it's a mission statement. Yeah, they come right out of the gate telling you, you know, like, hey, this shit's hard, man, but you know, we're doing it. But there's gonna be some balls. There's gonna be balls. <laughs> there's another. There's another rejected song title. There's gonna be some balls. There's gonna be some balls tonight. <laughs> uh, Brian. Yeah, like, oh, sorry. I yeah. didn't. I thought you're done, Tony. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. No, no. It's fine. I just. I don't know what I was saying. I'm. I'm kind of out of it. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Um, my my thoughts about high voltage. I think it's good. Um, aside from you know, it's not. I think I like records that would come out a little bit better, but I still think, you know, they come out and they're fully formed right out, right, um, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and the thing I liked about that record also is like, you know, when I first bought it, I didn't really realize that all those letters on the back sleeve were like just a joke. Right. You know? So I was like, man, and they're trying to decode it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like this bass player guy, you know, he starts fights and the drummer starts fights and they got tattoos and Bond Scott, you know, nobody had tattoos in 1977, 76. Yeah. It was just sailors had tattoos. That sure was a long time ago, that's for sure. Um, but no, I think it's a good, it's a good record. I like it. Um, except for the Jack and maybe she's got balls. <laughs> I like everything else. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> and there's a, the, no, 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 it, it, it's fine. So there's a song, Can I Sit Next to You, Girl? And that's, um, uh, so I like that. So where I was getting at with that is that there's, there's songs that are kind of like all over the map that are sort of like you see where ACDC came from, but then you also see where they were, were going a little bit as well. Because I've actually used Livewire as a song study for usage of space which is to say the restraint 
that they show within the songwriting when it all kind of like goes down, uh, you know, it, 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 it first of all it takes a long time to go and you got this bit, do, 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 just the bass line going and then the it comes in real subtle and then builds and it makes it so that every riff counts. And it also is, is something I've used as an example for recording in the fact that, you know, if you listen very closely, you can actually hear when they unmute the track to bring the band back in. And that's, I think, one of the coolest things that they left it in there because, again, you got to think about the fact that there wasn't any Pro Tools or anything along those lines. So, but you can actually hear them unmute it. And it's, you just hear for like a, like a split second, like a quarter second. And it, for me, it's one of the coolest things because it, it just hammers home that this is rock music played by humans. And... You know, it, it's, it still holds up to me despite having one of the worst songs that they've ever written on there as well as, well as she's got balls. <laughs> they use space. Uh, ACDC is all about restraint and using a lot of space. You know? I don't think they get enough credit for that, honestly. Like, I mean, I think, I think musicians... No, no they don't. But... Yeah, like, everybody just, uh, like, just assumes that ACDC is just, like, riffs and balls and <laughs> so on and so forth. But they yeah, are. there's a lot of yeah, and, and, and like yeah, like to a point they are. But yeah, there's but lots there's so of, much more. But there's so much more. There is lots of uh, like subtleties happening in there that just somebody who's just like the average listener, just like like rocking out, might not grasp. Yeah, sure. Brian, what would you say? So, if you're Bon Scott era, I, I guess it turned into Bon Scott era. It can, it can just be like, let's just do top three ACDC records, right? Oh, let's, man. Let's do that. For me? Today. Um, yes. Today? Okay, today. Today it would be Powerage, Highway to Hell, and Back in Black. If I had if I had to say. Tomorrow it might be different, but for today I would say those. Um, yeah, those three. And that's interesting because I think... I think Powerage and Back in Black would kind of swap the third and fourth position for me. That I yeah. would, I, that I would go Highway to Hell first, then High Voltage, then Back in Black, then Powerage. But again, ask me tomorrow. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it might be different. Tony. Shit. Well, I feel ridiculous because mine are the exact same three that Brian said <laughs> in that order. <laughs> we have impeccable taste. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we're we're yeah. genius. Powerage, Highway to Hell, Back in Black, pretty much no contest. I would almost put High Voltage and Back in Black as a tie, but if we have to pick one or the other, I'm got, I'm just gonna go Back in Black. Yeah. What was it? Um, what was it? They say like the favorite ACDC record is the one you're listening to right then. Or something like that. <laughs> Did I just make that up? Maybe well, I made that up. Well, I mean, even um, you know, like uh, even. Um, let there be rock when that record came out that's like to me that was like the first definite like everything is in its right place it's recorded really um strangely in a a very aggressive manner every song is really good 
Um, there's a few deep cuts on there, like Overdose, with that weird chimey guitar thing that they do, that they did on What's Next to the Moon, and uh, Go Down, Doggy yeah. Dog, you know? So that's like a whole lot of Rosies on it, and that, yeah. God, that's, one, that's one of my favorite songs that they ever did, but not yeah. enough to const- not enough to constitute, you know, like, oh my God, top three album for me, but that song is pretty unfuckwithable. I agree. Yeah, I'd have to agree, and and that's and that's a uh, so that and of course what you're talking about is the um, for those about the rock record, which I think is actually if you're talking that's about yeah, if you're talking about a record to get people into ACDC, you're like man, you could you could do worse, you could you could do worse, um, and that's the one after Back in Black, right? That's the one that's like Back in Black, then that one, right? That's the next, yeah. That record's really good, and like the Switch is a great record too. And like when that record came out, nobody cared about them. So all of a sudden, they were out of favor, and, uh, and then that's when they started to kind of, you know, they switched drummers, and then Fly on the Wall came out, and those were the start of the wilderness years. But even those <laughs> records, afterwards, right. still managed to have a couple of good songs on them at least. Well, and um. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say I think I think I, I, I do want to give some props to that era, but let let's not get out of the early era just much because um, technically for Americans after high voltage we had uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Oh yeah, and uh, th- that's that's a um, that's a record that it's it's divisive for folks. First of all, as we mentioned, big balls. <laughs> big balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's the title track, which I for the longest time I have no idea why I thought it was "Dirty Deeds" and the Dunderchi. I don't know what a Dunderchi was. I assumed it was an Australian thing. <laughs> dirty Deeds and the Thunderchi. I thought it was Dirty Deeds and the Thunderchi. <laughs> exactly. It, all of these things are true. Uh, but there, there's uh, that has that has "Problem Child," which is one of my favorite ACDC riffs and ACDC yeah. songs. So good. Uh, it's got right on, which I think is is one of their better kind of slow rockers. Uh, it's yeah. got uh, the the Australian version has Jailbreak, but then it, that's uh, Jailbreak '74 is, is how it's in the American. So it depends on how you want to how you want to parse it. Uh, there's also ACDC known for their per- parentheticals. Uh, Ain't no fun parentheses waiting round to be a millionaire in parentheses. <laughs> Really long song. Goes yeah, on and there's also from the from the Planet of the Apes school of song titling, there's gonna be some rocking. <laughs> there's gonna be some balls. <laughs> there's gonna be some there's balls. Be some balls. Uh, oh, but- you can't forget. You can't forget the uh, another song I was kind of embarrassed by as a, a prude was Squealer. Squealer, which, which has which had that. The base it has a baseline for first of all it has a distinct and <laughs> definitive baseline that you can identify as separate from the rest of the music. It does for sure. And that was uh, that was the guy that nobody talks about that Cliff Williams replaced, Mark Evans. Mark Evans. What's that guy up to? Is he like just hanging out or what? He's in he's in he's in the band Rose Tattoo now. Oh okay. Oh okay. Yeah. And that's all I know. Okay, that's, that's more than I knew. So, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, so, but it's also got like, like, so I think like, 
it's weird to me that this is this is where the break for how ACDC was served to the international market versus Australia kind of starts to happen. And the idea that like in the for the international market we got love at first feel. Okay, fine. That's 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 a okay. That's a good enough song. But why was it like? Did they think that was gonna be like a big the big hit? Like you already got the title know. track, which is unless you think it's the Thunder Chief or whatever, you know, like and you left Jailbreak off, which is yeah, totally Jailbreak, different. which is amazing, right. and it's like, right. why would you leave you off doing? Jailbreak for Love at First Feel? That isn't like like Love at First Feel is fine, <laughs> but like, holy shit, man, it's not even in the same category. Nope. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's just me yeah. bitching about sequencing. I guess there isn't really a uh, discussion. That cover is horrible. That cover, <laughs> that, that front, that front cover is just what? Whose idea was that? Uh, so hey, you're, you're talking about the American yeah. cover with the the faces that have like they black out the eyes, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what's this? Well, the Australian cover is not much better. It's like uh, there's Angus Young doing like the piss off sign, and then like. Bon Scott Bonds, with, like, with a beefy Noble. arm and a tattoo, which is <laughs> like, what? And then the other three guys are on the back, and they all look exactly the same. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sullen, long-haired teenagers at a pool table or something. They do, like, the cigarettes and stuff. It's, it's like, like it was farmed it was... off to somebody's nephew. It was like, yeah, yeah, just draw something yeah. real quick for us, would you? We need to know him. Here, cover. <laughs> So I brought up Problem Child on Dirty Deeds because, of course, that appeared in the international edition. Uh, that that so Problem Child was included in international release. It's original Australian form, but the international version of Let There Be Rock has the shortened version without the extended ending, where it's literally just like, "Hey, we like this riff so much, we're gonna play it some more, and then we're gonna fade it out at, at the end." Yeah, but I love that. Like for me, that blew my mind. Conceptually, even before uh, I was really thinking about it, just like, oh wow, it's a great riff. Why wouldn't you bring that back? What's stopping? It's like that? a retry. It's like, <laughs> like, yeah. it's almost like the Sergeant Pepper reprise on on that record. Absolutely, it's, same it's, thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> that's probably where they got it from. But I, I think that's a that's a really oh. cool thing. It's it's weird to me that they would be any version of that song that uh, wouldn't include that kind of thing. Yes. So yes. we briefly talked about Let There Be Rock, which I think is actually a great album cover, even if you look at it in detail. I love that album. Um, so good. Um, I mean, yeah, how, how are you going to mess with that? Like, Hell in a Bad Place to Be, Whole Lot of Rosie. Yeah, Crab City in Blue, though. Really? Like, yeah, that's the one. Huh? Should, yeah. Well, but but that's but that's on the import that's on the import, on the import version. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of uh, Let There Be Rock with the guitar tablature cover, or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Yeah, and they re- and they replace it, it with uh, with Problem Child, I think, right for the U.S. version. Yeah, that, that I think Problem Child's on there, but it's without the um, the break that you talked it, about. It's the shortened version. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So, but it's sort of like yeah, Crab City and Blue was like a nothing song. I don't ever think about that. It's, it's the fact that it's like, okay, I get it. It's a play on words, guys. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's very clever. <laughs> More of that clever <laughs> wordplay. 
Everyone felt very proud of themselves after that, right? <laughs> but yeah, Let There Be Rock. I, I know I jumped ahead and talked about it, but that's yeah, that's the first to me, the first fully formed uh, record. And the, the deep cuts are great. All the other songs are great. Has a great, a great front cover. They all look like they're zombies on the front cover. What's there not to like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you're right. Like the alternate cover art. It does kind of look like learn how to play guitar in three easy steps. Where, where it's just like, it's just like okay, this is three, five, seven, three, five, seven. Yeah. I like Angus. You got it wrong. Uh, so, I think that record is kind of underrated in the pantheon. I think it's it's you know uh, you, you can nobody really sings his praises, but I think it's I think it's pretty rock solid. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. I would agree. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so after that, we have every musician's favorite ACDC record, Powerage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no hits, no singles. I don't think there were any singles. There definitely weren't any, any hit singles on that one. Uh, I think... um, they, put out, they put out Rock and Roll they, they put out Rock and Roll Damnation as a single, and I think that they tried to... Uh, uh, I think the record label said we need a hit, and they did that song and put hand claps on it, and uh, you know shakers and stuff. <laughs> That'll and do it. Great song, you know? um, the thing about Powerage, one you know, one thing that's really great about that record is like I think those are some of Von Scott's best lyrics, and it's yeah. the most human. They're the most human lyrics, where you know, like um, not every song's about bravado or balls or whatever. You know, there's. <laughs> You know, like there's yeah. a lot of songs about there's a lot of songs about um, feeling kind of low and, and and not feeling great, and it just seems kind of like you know a little more honest, I guess, or just more the other side of um, the human experience. Even if you're Bon Scott and your life's a party and you're a rock and roll pirate, but you know you're, you're still gonna have some have the blues sometimes. And, and I think uh, the lyrical content on most of that record is. Uh, his most honest kind of lyrics and actually has some of the best wordplay. Like, what's next to the moon? Like, what the fuck is that about? Yeah, what's next to the moon is, uh, that's a highlight. I, I love that song. I, yeah. I, I still don't know what that song's about. <laughs> it's very <laughs> mysterious, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, gone, shoot, gone shooting about his, uh, his partner that leaves him for heroin or whatever. She's gone shooting. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't know from experience, but you know, it's like, it that must really suck, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, it isn't it just explicitly about like sex and drinking and balls, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, it's sort of like it, it, it hits some heavy stuff, but it also, like, as, as a rock sounding record, kind of one of the coolest sounding records that they ever did, too. Like, it's, it sounds just absolutely fantastic. Like, the separation. Is perfect. Uh, you know, I think "Rock and Roll Damnation" is the best opening song that they have. If it wasn't for "It's Long Way to the Top," if you want to rock and roll, uh, or the track for "Highway to Hell." I mean, it's up there. But the thing is, it's not a hit. But it's still like it sets the mood. You know what you're going to be listening to when you hear "Rock and Roll Damnation." You're like, "Oh, buckle up, Buttercup. Let's do this." <laughs> Build me up, Buttercup. Especially when. Uh... Especially when Down Payment Blues is the next song. And I'm going to go on record as saying that there is such a thing as the single best ACDC song. Down Payment Blues is 
know, I can't, I can't even actually say it because there's so many other great songs, but that song, there's just something about that song that uh, just, just the way it just builds and builds and builds when Angus comes in with that solo and the rest of the band is just, you know, and uh, that song is just such a good song. And the lyrics are really good too. And they're funny. So yeah, down payment blues. Tony, thoughts? Um, yeah, Down Hand and Blues is fucking awesome. Um, it always kind of, I remember the first time I heard it being kind of blown away that the whole thing is just like two chords, basically. And it's, yes. and it's so powerful. It's just like the same two chord. Da, 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 for the whole thing, essentially. <laughs> and it just hits you hard. It's, it's, it's a great song. I would say what's oh, what's next to the moon is my favorite track on the album, though. That one's always just been the one that um, sticks out more to me, or or most to me anyway. Definitely, I, uh, I I totally adore that song. The only thing that you guys didn't mention that I wanted to mention is that um, I actually, when I was a younger man, a much younger man, I thought Sin City was an actual place. Like not like a nickname for like Las Vegas or whatever. I was like, oh yeah, I wonder where that is. Oh man, I have to go. <laughs> but I thought I think I realized years later I was confusing Sun City with Sin City. So oh, there you go. I like I, I I only wish Sun City really was Sin City. <laughs> right? Yeah. That'd be first of all. Have you considered changing the name? Also, ending apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that, was, that was just a, like, something that kids that have access to the internet would never think, you know? But, like, just, like... Yeah. <laughs> this is true. We, we didn't even bring up Riff Raff, which is, has this weird shuffle and rhythm to it that to this very day, I always hear it differently every other time. Oh, oh yeah, God. It's great. It's a really fun riff to play. It's one of, one of my favorites. I always end up playing that riff when I play guitar. Just plug in and, it, and like it just happens. So it's a blast. And Riff Rest 1, songs. they they play they play that in Sin City like almost every freaking show also. But I mean, I think it, it, even though like those weren't hits, you know, that, that was a... Uh, they're just good songs. Deep album. Yeah. Deep and, album. And I always appreciated that about them that they thought about thought about in terms of like what are good songs and what what are people gonna get the most out of and then also the jack <laughs> <laughs> uh okay cool so that's powered oh i wish the jack was on i wish they just redid the jack for every record like the jack 2000 <laughs> The Jack, the Jack 2000. <laughs> the Jack 2020. New, the, new Millennium the Jack. The Jack redo. <laughs> like, they just re-recorded every album. This time. The Jack 19, Jack 79, like Kiss, Strutter 78. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, if you want blood, you've got it. <laughs> Oh, the album. Yeah, that's uh, the, the live album we're talking about now. I, I think that's a notable mention because for me, that's in the the pantheon of great uh, live albums, even if it's you know live in quotation marks uh, plus sweetening well, or whatever. Um, it doesn't well, matter. The Jack song. Great. 
the jack the jacks on it so you know (laughs) call that one the jack 78 i guess Yeah. Live Jack 78. It sure is. The Jack's in there shitting the place up for everyone. Yep, sure is. <laughs> I got a good story about this record. Uh, any thoughts on uh, If You Want Blood, You've Got It? Um, Not really on my end. I don't think I even own it. So it's not really up there for me. Maybe I should get a copy of it, though. I have a story. <laughs> okay. Get us. Well, in high school... You know, the wonderful days of high school in 1978. Um, when you're a kid trying to figure things out and you're trying to find a peer group or find people that will talk to you, you know, what do you do? What do you show people, uh, your peers in high school, that you're cool? Well, in my case, what I did was I took a cassette of If You Want Blood, You Got It. And back when I was a kid in high school, there were these like tape recorders that were you can hold in the handle. Like oh, they have yeah, a handle. Yeah, yeah, it's got the handle. And like yeah. in the middle. Right, in the middle of it, you just popped in the cassette, and there was one speaker in the back. And I took that album to my high school, and I walked around my quad between classes, blasting out of my powerful handheld cassette recorder <laughs> with one speaker. In high school, mind you, if you want blood, you got it. And I would just walk around and just hope somebody would think I was cool, and I, I hope my... I tried to imagine my hair was just growing longer and longer with every minute of me playing that. And <laughs> I did that. You know, I, I did that more than one time. And then I stopped. But um, I actually did take that record to school and tried to make friends with it by walking around the quad in Simi Valley, California. And um, I don't recall if I was successful at that. But that was just one thing. Oh, I, but it's know, worth it for the story, if nothing else. Yeah. I would have been your friend, Brian. Yeah, I would have been like, that dude's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That dude is my my new best friend, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really surprised I didn't have a ton of friends in school. It's really crazy. (laughs) Well, I love the image of, of, yeah, the the era-appropriate tape player with the internal speaker, which, let's let's be frank, was never... the best but especially if you turned it up all the way like it would start distorting too look at this guy (laughs) so it probably sounded like like kind of like uh (laughs) just like what's he doing why is he doing that (laughs) who was that for (laughs) do you think he's gonna get him laid (laughs) yeah not not that day. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even playing big balls, you know. Those right, like, right, yeah, exactly. If you just had a big balls uh, maxi single that you just repeated over and over again, at least that'd be a shit, I guess. <laughs> but still a little bit too a deep. Disco remix. Yeah. Uh, what's there to say? I, I I think if you want blood, you got it. Is is one of the great live records in rock and roll, and uh, you know, I, I, there's not not much else to say other than that. I think that the version of Hell in a Bad Place to Be on there. Is just as good, if not better, than the version of on uh, Let There Be Rock. One of the reasons I like it is uh, Bon is clearly just shit hammered, wasted, <laughs> and he like does like this talk up before it, and it just do- it doesn't make any sense at all. But then like once the music starts, amazing, and it just it makes me happy every time I hear it. <laughs> it is a better version. I agree. Okay, so coming up after that. A little obscure record called Highway to Hell. Anyone heard of it? 
No, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about this highway to hell. <laughs> highway to hell. Can I go there? <laughs> Is it a place that you can go to? <laughs> that cover, that, that's one of their best covers, for sure. Yeah, it is. Oh man, I have a poster. It's not in my bedroom now or I would show you, but it's as big as a fucking wall and it's the cover of Highway to Hell and I love it. Conan saw it. Yeah, it's great. It's exactly what you think it is, which is a huge. A wall size <laughs> Highway to Hell. It's like a, a I think they used to call those subway posters, right? Because they put them up in the subway. Uh, yeah. Back, back, when, uh, back before you were constantly being advertised to all the time everywhere. <laughs> I guess that's still advertising, but that's something cool. So, we'll, we'll yeah. Allow it. Uh, Brian, covers, highway right? to hell. Thoughts? Uh, well, you know they 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 had to get rid of Harry Vonda and George Young as their producers because the uh, label wanted them to have more success. Uh, I, I heard that they actually were teamed up with Eddie Kramer of all people and they don't really talk about this much because it was a miserable failure I guess they didn't get along with him and um, they were supposed to record a record with Eddie Kramer and they the ACDC people couldn't get along with him so that's when they met up with the other guy Mutt Lang and they just flipped out all this material and that was Highway to Hell um, which is a great record and um, I could I mean, Highway to Hell is still a great song, obviously, but I can—I really could just skip it. You know, I mean, I've heard it a million times, and it, it doesn't mean it's not a good song. Don't don't beat me up, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think when I think for me, after hearing it a million times, the record really kicks in with "Walk All Over You," because it's such a menacing song with really stupid lyrics <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then touch too much which is kind of like introduces the disco feel that yeah. acd kind of started to have and then beating around the bush is like a fantastic song so the, the whole side's good but the last three songs are like amazing yeah and, and I, um, I think those those like that back half of side a i think is actually what makes a fantastic record and it's a perfect example of good sequencing uh, adding two good songs and, and making a you, better record you are right and that's actually probably if not the strongest three song set up on an acdc record it's one of the strongest in my opinion side two i like it i don't like as much i, I like it shot down flames uh I really like Love Hungry Man, and people seem to hate that song for whatever reason, but <laughs> I don't know why. Man. I mean, do, what, what do you want, balls? I mean, come on. I don't know. Like they, he's like singing about a TV dinner or something, but it has that really <laughs> funky... Uh, this bro really, really loves Hungry Man dinners. Man, I will <laughs> never hear that song the same ever again. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I always thought. Even back then. <laughs> but it has that really funky Cliff Williams bass line. Yeah. It's it's a, another one of the songs with a distinctive bass line that you can like sing. You can sing the melody of the bass line, and there's like maybe three of them within ACDC that are distinctive from what the guitars are doing, and that's one of them. Right, and then it ends with Night Prowler, which is a great song, and it ends with Bon Scott doing a Mark Mindy Robin Williams impersonation. He says Shazbot nani nani, and Angus goes, and that's how the record ends. Yeah, I love it. I think Shot Down in Flames only would work, again, talking about sequencing, as a side two opener, and only 
works after the just the, the brutalization of beating around the bush, which is accented by the fact that touch too much is like, you know, just it's there's there's like a menace. It's like menacing disco, right? <laughs> like it's like menacing it's, disco <laughs> with with also really dumb lyrics, but it has that one really good Bond line: a body um, like Venus with arms. Right. Which is like, <laughs> that's like, that's like Bob Dylan stupid. Like, brilliant. Like, yeah. like Bob Dylan, man, I wish I would have thought of that. That's, that's really good. A body with a Venus with arms. <laughs> and, and most importantly, it does not Venus. have, it does not have the Jack 79. So, you know. Doesn't have the Jack 79, you know. murder. <laughs> They didn't call beating around the bush, beating around the ball. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> I'm glad they. I'm, I'm glad they. I'm glad they got the whole balls thing out of the way early on in their career. And, yeah, we know, admire their restraint. Yeah. I yes, very much so. <laughs> Tony, thoughts on Highway to Hell? Yeah, I I actually do have some thoughts on this one. Um, I'm going to. I want to amend my statement earlier about top three and put Highway to Hell at the top because after thinking about it, Highway to Hell is the go-to uh, for me. I, I think every song is fantastic. Um, Touch Too Much was the first song I think I ever heard from it and it blew me away. And yeah, I'm actually looking to my left here. Sorry, I'm looking at the track listing and just being like, yeah, awesome, awesome, yeah, awesome, no bad awesome, songs. awesome. It, it, there, there's no bad like, songs on it. Every song. And Night Prowler is probably one of my favorites on it. Well, Beating Around the Bush has the absolute most crushing riff that they ever wrote, I think. that That is nuts. Yeah. yeah. That's probably, probably my favorite ACDC riff ever, but all the way down from start to finish. And then night prowler is last and that's one of my favorite songs on the record and just a little tidbit about about uh like that song i actually i read somewhere and i can't remember where so i don't really have a source to back it up but allegedly the band themselves hated night prowler mm. like they did not I mean, it's no beating around the balls but you know hey it's there right. <laughs> It's not the jack. Why don't we just do the yeah. jack again, guys? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the jack Come on, on fellas. Me. How much time's left on side B? Can we squeeze it in? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Night Prowler, it's, I think it's an amazing song. It's just so heavy, so good. And I wish I could remember where I read that, but allegedly the band themselves hated it and i don't think that the band ever played it live and it just wasn't in favor with anybody in the band that's a shame because it's until, a great tune yeah until, I know. until richard ramirez started killing a bunch of people in the early uh, 80s in los <laughs> angeles and he left an acdc hat and then the press sort of attacked him to to acdc and that song in particular so people would you know um People would associate this horrible murderer with this song that the band themselves didn't even like, which is pretty weird. And even the people at the time that were in charge of this case said, well, you know, the press made a bigger deal of the finding of the ACDC hat than, um, you know, than, than, than we ever thought. You know, so, um, 
it gave them a lot of um, publicity that they didn't really want. Yeah, the wrong kind of publicity. The kind of publicity no one's looking for, for sure. Uh, Highway to Hell, also one of the, I feel, the greatest records in rock and roll. Uh, and maybe, yeah. ultimately, as a record, I think the song is rated accurately, but as a record, I think it might be a little underrated even, in the larger pantheon. But just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, you're like somebody who's not an ACDC super fan is like, I mean, Back in Black is the one that all of those types of people will like single out, um, mostly based on the title track, obviously, because it's, it's fucking everywhere. But yeah, Highway to Hell, I think, is is like equally good. A little better. I mean, like I said, if I if I had to pick again, Howie to Hell would be number one for me, followed closely by Powerage, and then Back in Black. Yeah. At the time when Highway to Hell came out, that was like their first like pretty notable jump. Um, they started getting a lot more of attention and played bigger shows and got radio airplay. And um, and so that was like I think their first really successful record before. Mm-hmm. Bon Scott accidentally passed away, but they were like, definitely there was, from what I remember, there was quite notably a jump in uh, people paying attention to them. I mean, they weren't yeah. super, super huge yet, but they were like, you know, like they were on the cusp for sure. Yeah, people, people were like, man, what a what a cool record, you know, this is really good, and um, yeah. that was like the first record where they really started to get noticed all over the world, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and became kind of one of the one of the biggest rock bands in the world for a short time, and just one of the most tragic endings to one of the greatest front people in rock and roll, and certainly of the era, uh, with uh, Bon Scott passing away. But as we established earlier, they continued on, and they mm-hmm. came out. And they came out hard with uh, with Brian Johnson and yep. the aforementioned Back in Black, which. Uh, Rips, as we've established. Um, you know, yeah, we've... I mean, for once, I agree with the masses. You know, <laughs> right, like, exactly. It happens occasionally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it, it does. You know, there's there's certain things like Zeppelin, The Beatles, Queen, Back in Black. I mean, there's um, that record within six months of coming out, they were just like, and you know, people got really tired of hearing that record after uh, a little while. But there was no denying that it was like. You know, such a triumphant moment and such a great record, you know. Um, and after I got over being tired of it, I've gone back and listened to it millions of times, and it's, you know, it's a great record, you know. Um, yeah. There's some of, you know, and, and I think the deep cuts on that record are really like Shake a Lake. No one ever talks about that song. I oh, love it's that. so good. Shake yeah. a Lake. And, um, um, Giving a dog a bone. Or giving the dog a bone. Giving the dog a bone. Giving the dog which is literally about giving a dog a bone. I mean, <laughs> yeah, get your minds out of the gutter, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just about it's, giving. It's, it's about giving his puppy a bone. <laughs> Here, Fido. Um, yeah, but the the big songs on that record are great. I even think you should, for as overplayed as you shook me all night long, is I still think that's a great song. It is. Still rips. It is, yeah. Yeah. And that record could have, you know, it could have been another story. That record could have flopped, you know, which is crazy to think about, but like nobody knew what was going to happen. And then, you know, first record with the new singer and, and 
you know, it's kind of crazy to think about it, you know, and it's like still such a good sounding record, you know. Yeah. There's uh, the classic song, Let Me Put My Balls Into You. <laughs> That's a good one. People forget about that one. <laughs> Hell's I like the song Hell's Balls. Back in Balls, Hell's Balls. the classic. Yeah. Hell's Balls rules. <laughs> that, that definitely should have been the name of the song. You shook Rockin me all night, Balls. balls. <laughs> rock and Balls ain't noise pollution. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rock Let and Roll. Me balls into you. Yeah, speaking earnestly for a second, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. I feel like is the uh, it's it's coming from the same school as Night Prowler, which is using the rock band playing slow blues to do something uh, a little different. And I think that that works in a different way that comes across as more jubilance. Not exactly the right word, but in the way that you know, serial killer not uh, associations notwithstanding, uh, doesn't right. happen with Night Prowler. Uh, whereas Night Prowler kind of evokes a different imagery. Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution is kind of a quietly celebratory. And it's, and it's oh, yeah. it, it, Exactly. And, and it's interesting that it can somehow be a record that honors the spirit of their fallen comrade uh, to the point of even like the record cover being in black, right? That, that, was, that was an homage to Bond. Right. But, but we're, we're forgetting the most important blatant weird thing about that record which is the existence of the song have a drink on me like who else would like yeah (laughs) i've actually never thought about that holy shit and then and then let their new singer write a song about have a drink on me it's like which is how he he, it was death by misadventure it was just a stupid accident meanwhile here's here's a new album with the new singer have a drink on me that raised a few eyebrows I've honestly God never thought about that until this exact moment, but wow, yeah. It's crazy. Well, at this moment, if when people watch this, there'll be about maybe two other people besides you two that will go, Oh yeah, I never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay. I mean that's kind of that's kinda of weird, you know, <laughs> like Yeah. It is kinda weird. Con- yeah. No one was no one was like Hey, maybe not with that one. Like maybe we could. Although you know, uh, uh, didn't Bond actually write a lot of the lyrics to the Back in Black songs? I thought I heard that somewhere too. Which that would almost make more sense, but I I can't verify that, so I don't know. I well, think they have... that was like that was a rumor, but I I'm, I don't think that really. People insist that Bond wrote wrote the lyrics, but um, the band themselves. Said no, he was he was going to go in the week before he had his accident and start working on writing lyrics. He had this notepad ready to go, but um, I always understood it that he actually didn't write any of the lyrics. But it sounds oh. a lot cooler. To, it sounds a lot cooler to say, "Oh yeah, he wrote these lyrics." Then Brian Johnson came in, whoa, number one record or whatever. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. They don't really sound on Scott lyrics. Some of them, some of them I could see, but there's definitely Brian Johnson's voice is definitely there. Oh well, well, his voice is definitely there, but his voice as a writer is definitely is definitely there also. And it's, you know, if there is, I'm sure it's like you know maybe maybe there's like a snippet or like like phrase or or something along those lines. I, I could see that being the case. I do think it is a little bit 
Like, it's something I took as truth without ever thinking about it for years until I stopped to think about it. And, I was like, and, like, and, and again, stopped to think about it after uh, making my own records and writing lyrics and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That seems... Mm, really? He wrote all the lyrics for it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't believe that. I personally don't believe that. It could be true, but I just don't think it's true. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just a rumor that I had heard for years, and I don't know if I believe it or not, and even if I did, there's no way to, to like, verify it either way. But I was just noting that, uh, like, for that particular song, that might might explain, you know... Uh, like <laughs> Have a drink on me, song. why when that would be... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that was... Whereas, the like, it, 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 it might be more acceptable if they were... Bond's lyric as opposed to like the new guy coming in and just like belting that out on his own. I don't know. But that's all I I I guess if he if Brian Johnson did write the lyric to have a drink on me, I guess the rest of the band must have felt it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. It it just seems like um like man, that's kind of a brazen ballsy thing. That's almost just very flippant to put on a record after your singer um, yeah. dies in the way that he dies. Yeah. 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 I actually would have I would have forgiven a have some balls on me. Uh, in, in that situation. Have some balls on me. Have some balls on me. You know, you have to write a disclaimer about if, if you don't like to hear the word balls. In conjunction with two hours of talk about ACD, you will not like this show. Yes. Yeah, you might want you might want to skip this one if you're offended I, by the idea you, of. You have to know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy the ticket, take the ride, son. Come on. Yeah, that's true. They've, they've talked about testicles in an ACDC podcast. I don't believe it. No way. How dare they? I'm First of all, how I'm dare offended. they? Secondly, I'm offended. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so are we going to get this for those about to rock? Yeah, for those about to rock. Fire! We salute you! Oh, oh man. That's a good record. I think, mean, you know, I was... What a good title the- track. God, so good. I like how they're like, yeah, we need cannons in this one, for sure. There definitely needs to be some cannon fire. Well, <laughs> well they could afford them yeah, <laughs> at <exactly>. that point. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? They're like, man, we, we have all this fucking money. What are we going to do? Let's get some cannons. Hell yeah. Awesome. And and it is awesome. Yeah. The cover is kind of... I mean, it's right there on the cover. There's a cannon. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a cannon on the cover. You know what you're getting into by looking at it. Yeah. This is, is the cannon, cannon that we bought. <laughs> you bought the cannon. Um... But for those about the rock, has a bunch of really good deep cuts that yeah. it's a really underrated record and it, uh, injective venom. Injective venom. I was just gonna say injective venom. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and evil walks is really good. But my favorite part of that record are the last two songs, "Night of the Long Knives" and especially the very last song, "Spellbound." I think "Spellbound" is a fucking great ACDC song that has all this menace in it, this slow building. And he croaks out this line about how he he can't sleep at night and he can't even start a fight. And I just thought, man, this guy is defeated on this song. He can't even start a can't fight. Can't even start There's a no fight. Way. It's over. There's yeah. no way out of the situation. <laughs> um, I think anything that piled back in black would 
not be received as well because you know they're trying to follow back in black but yeah. so the record's kind of unfairly i think um underlooked a little bit and i think it also has the most bone crushing bill red drum sound which apparently the band didn't like at all but i i like it <laughs> There's there's not enough room for the balls as it turns out when you have the drums that, that big in the mix. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, inject the venom, evil walks. There's a there's a bunch of good tunes on here, and it's sort of like I, I, I agree with you that I think that it's if it hadn't been directly after Back in Black, I think it would have been received a lot better at the time. So it's sort sure. of like other than the title track, I think the whole thing is just a bunch of deep cuts, really, for people that, that are the true fans. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. 100%. I think that Let's Get It Up had some radio play. I feel like I've heard it on the radio before. You're right. You're right. Let's Get It Up. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be a second single, maybe. It was played yeah. on the radio. That's a pretty good song. It's about yeah, getting up out of a chair when you're comfortable, right? Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, um, Come on, man. Let's Get It Up. <laughs> <laughs> COD, that's a good song. COD. COD, care of the devil. COD. And we haven't talked about about Malcolm and Cliff's gangland backup vocals, which I think are always. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a secret weapon. Yeah, for sure. Which kind of started with uh, Highway to Hell, right? That was the first time that I remember actually hearing TNT, man. In high voltage. Uh, Yeah, there's. Yeah, but I mean, like, it seemed like they had more prominence beginning oh, with Highway to Hell. And they definitely, yeah. Yeah, they it seemed less, like they were a little more focused starting around that time. You're right. They were less cartoony, more, um, it was less cheese, got balls, and more. <laughs> it was better. Yeah. She's got balls, man. I can't believe, I can't believe everyone's like, yep. That's it. Put it on the record, and it's fu- it, like it's fine as a song, but like, is it really? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm gonna revise my ranking and uh, drop high voltage down to fourth. And okay. I mean, cool. in, in yeah. a way, maybe they were ahead of the curve. You know, you know, trans awareness. Well, maybe. I think. I think if we ever do this again, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but if we ever do this again, someone you should. The other subject might that would be really good would be like, since a lot of this music was heard when we were teenage boys, and there was secondhand embarrassment, but also kind of a little thrill. Like, what about all the other rock bands that had like weird, like Kiss? And I don't know if you guys ever liked Kiss. Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, like hearing Kiss. When you're like in sixth grade and hearing about concepts like blow, like blowjobs and 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 all this weird stuff is like, you know, like there should be a podcast about dealing with the weird uh, feelings of being exposed to these really adult weird things that are <laughs> not very nice because every Kiss song's about loving somebody and leaving them and, and yeah through rock and roll double blows. entendre or in some cases single entendre. Yeah, it, it's like with ACDC, I always thought that their tongue was formally in their cheek. But with, you know, things I also liked, like Kiss, it would be like, well, this sounds kind of almost mean, you know. Yeah. But I was, you know, in fifth grade. So it's like I didn't really have anything to compare. I mean, I think back to like Van Halen and, and uh, you know, Dave Lee Roth. Tell us how you do. 
you know, cut it out, dude. You know, like that kind of like, like what are they talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Or how Van Halen would leave huge mistakes in some of their songs and just like Romeo Delight, they totally fuck fuck it up when they go into it and they just leave it in there. He's like laughing all over the records and stuff and yeah. it's really which has nothing to do with what I was just talking about, but still. No, 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 but but it, but it it is interesting and it's it's um well, I suppose that might be something that if you look at record production and people making records back then versus now, like now everything has, like every record is like hyper front loaded. If you don't get someone immediately, like you get like 20 seconds of a halfway distracted listen before they move on to the next thing. So it's like you almost yeah. can't take risks isn't exactly the word I'm looking for, but you almost can't um, take liberties in that way. Yeah, it's a different universe. That's for sure. Flick of the so switch. Flick of the switch. It's a good record. Um, nope, everybody hated it when it came out. They were just suddenly out of favor because all these other younger bands were, you know, Iron Maiden and uh, you know stuff like Motley Crue. Motley Crue had one good record, uh, their first one, and somehow just managed to capture the hearts and minds of the younger generation and uh, ACDC were kind of passe and then the cover was kind of weird too and Phil Rudd it's like the, the I mean, line art uh, pulling down the the, the big oh, comic switch right it's a really bad cover <laughs> it's not, it's it's not like really. yeah. comically yeah, it's bad like, cover that that probably if it wasn't a different cover it might have it might have had more success maybe as dumb as that sounds um, but there's a lot of good songs on uh, Fleck of the Switch. That's kind of like a, uh, a lot of people think that's Brian Johnson's Power Age. Which mm. um, I'm not really sure. I, I think I think of another record as being Brian Johnson's Power Age, and it's not that one. But I think it's a mostly good record, and uh, people have come along to it as the years have gone by. So. I think it's kind of underdeveloped. And I think that it's it's just not that memorable, frankly. And um, I don't I don't hate it, but it's just it's it, it it's the the fall off is pretty big for me. Did you guys know that the <laughs> the original title was "I Like to Rock"? <laughs> Thank you, April Wine did that already. <laughs> I like I like to drop. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that if it was called I Like to Rock, that would have been, like, of course it's called that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't despise it or anything. I think the title track's good. Uh, you know, Rising Power's a good song. Uh, Deep in the Hole, I like. I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the word, the, <laughs> the, the wordplay in Nervous Shakedown. You know? Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. It's a shakedown. It's just another shakedown. That's one of the best songs I've ever heard. But that's about like half the record. I think. Uh, I think. I think it's half pretty good and like half like, whatever, fine, like not terrible. Don't really care. Worst records were to come. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry, it gets worse, <laughs> Tony. You know, I've, I never really. I don't have any thoughts on this record. I don't think I've ever even owned a copy of it. I kind of checked out after uh, for those about to rock, to be honest. So we're kind of in like the uncharted territory for me at this point. For the longest time, <laughs> I, I said that uh, you could make a really good compilation for all of the uh, records after Back in Black. 
because they always have at least one like ripper song and usually like maybe like one sleeper song too um but this this is the, the first this album is the first evidence of that for me i just think it's pretty weak record it's, it's it, it, i think they got worse but it, it's it's um everybody hated it at the time so maybe it was underappreciated but uh, it was under- um yeah i mean um I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think it's only been in recent years that I've been able to like look back and think it's uh, a better record now than I thought at the time. At, at the time, I guess I thought, you know, kind of like you said, there's like two or three songs I like and the rest are okay. And then for whatever reason, I guess later, I, I just went back to it and thought, no, this is actually, there's a couple of songs that are eh. But it's, I, I think it's a little bit better now than I thought at the time I guess. Yeah, maybe I'll revisit. Fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's when we're in trouble. Yeah, that that one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the one that's that they, they had a they had a. I just want to point out for uh, context sake that they had a a cartoon fly as their mascot yes. at, at this time, and they, they, it also <laughs> happened around the same time as blow up your video, which all anyone looking at ACDC video wants to see is like awesome, like footage of them rocking out and there was just so much of this fly getting up to antics and shenanigans that was like, oh, this is terrible it, yeah they kind of lost they they sort of lost their way and that's the record for me that's where they started to lose they, they got simon simon ryan drums who was the second best drummer um there's a couple of songs that i think are pretty good it sounds terrible and the, <laughs> it's the got only some, other, some of the know, worst cocaine decision mixing sounds I've ever heard, by the way. It really sounds, it's the first truly awful sounding record. And I, I do have to add, though, that I saw them on the Fly on the Wall tour in Los Angeles. Um, and they played at the Los Angeles Forum. And even with a not so great record, and even with Simon Wright on drums, they were amazing. It was like watching a blast furnace. I was like super high up in the LA forum, and when they started playing, and I guess it was because of the PA or whatever, but whenever they would kick into a song, it was like somebody turned on a blast car and just blowing up, blowing air into your face. And then when the music stopped and the song was over, it would all the air. That's yeah, awesome. It would just be like, it was, it was nuts. And the only other noteworthy thing about that was who's that guy, Ingbe Malmsteen, whatever his name is? <laughs> Whatever reason he opened up for ACDC, and he was awful. He was fucking terrible. I hate that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't care how fast you are. It's just every song is some bullshit excuse for him to solo yeah. pointlessly. It's just thranging, man. There's no songs there. It's just him thranging away. There's no hard pass. Yeah, but the biggest hand, the biggest hand of the night that he got was he played a little bit of Eruption by Van Halen. <laughs> And everybody knew that. They went, Yeah, we know that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then ACDC came out, and Angus and Malcolm hit one chord, and it was already a million times better than anything Ingbay ever did. (laughs) What a a horrible choice for an opener. But ACDC were great on that. I was going to say, if you're talking about in terms of like the opener making the headlining act look good, I guess it served that purpose. But yeah. (laughs) I. I, you know, there's, do you guys like that kind of guitar? There's probably I, one. I, or two I, de- I, I despise it and rant about it regularly, frankly. 
but there's probably yeah. but there's probably one or two people that might do that kind of thing that maybe have soul or maybe you can remember what they played a second after you heard it. It isn't just bullshit guitar. Look how fast and neoclassical I am. This got be. It's they're. It's just terrible. <laughs> it, it it it's rough. I'm uh, gonna make a lot of friends. All the Ingve that are going to be listening to this podcast. Yeah, Ingve's an avid Protonic listener. I'm going to be like, what you said hurt my feelings. Is that how he talks? I don't. I hope he does. I'm. I just think of Metalocalypse. I think of like those the the guitarist of Metalocalypse. Like that's basically him. But maybe he's not like that at all. I don't know. <laughs> So what's after Fire on the Wall? Oh, blow up your video. Uh, before blow up your video, technically speaking, we have Who Made Who, aka Who Made Who, which a- is the the the, the soundtrack Maximum for Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive, the Stephen King movie. Okay, I I I never saw the movie, and I don't think I, I think I heard the song Who Made Who. Isn't there like two or three new songs and a bunch of yeah. old songs? Yeah. So so basically, this is this is an album that uh, kind of gave them a shot in the arm. Uh, for their career, because on the soundtrack you have uh, Ride On, Hell's Bells, For Those About to Rock, uh, You Shook Me All Night Long, but then also there's a title track, which despite its abhorrent, I cannot stress this enough, abhorrent drum sound, is actually a very good mid-period ACDC song. It's a very well-written song, kind of rips, um, and it was, it, was a, it was a minor hit for a reason, even though that movie is a great bad movie. Like, it's not a good movie. But it's right. it's certainly worth watching, and is it eminently quotable? Uh, okay. It, yeah, it's definitely worth a shot, man. You should, <laughs> you should watch it. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. It, it's highly entertaining. Yeah. Like, and and it's and I mean, the the conceit of it is that like aliens take over these trucks and they hassle people at a rest stop, basically. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be all machines. Like at one point, a vending comedy machine. ensues. Oh, wait. Yeah, a vending machine <laughs> attacks someone. It's a whole it's a whole thing. Isn't that a short story he wrote? Steve, it's yeah. based on a short story. And like, is it in um, Night Shift or the other book? And he wrote all these short stories. I don't know if it was a short story, but he definitely wrote. He definitely wrote it. And has a lot to answer for. But it, I, like I said, it's, okay. it's an entertaining bad movie, and it's the first time uh, that a movie kind of revitalized ACDC's career. Also, later to be done with Iron Man, which we'll we'll get to later. Uh, really. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. Of course you don't. We're we're old farts. Uh, blow up your video is uh, after that. Um, I tried to like it. I really did. I wanted to like it. I think I liked one song. Maybe I'd like it now if I hear it. I thought Black Ice wasn't good, and I heard it today, and I'm like, man, this record's really good. So maybe I need to give uh, blow up your video another uh, another chance. But um, I, I I remember I bought it, and I just. I just couldn't remember anything, you know. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I just did, like it making no impression whatsoever is is kind of how I felt about it as well. I was like, I was like, yep, that sounds like ACDC, all right. And then like I just didn't think about it ever again. Yeah, and, 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 and I think at that point, um, Beat Seeker's good. That was, That's a good tune. And that came out when Metallica, I think, already had peaked. So it was, a, you know, it was really it was a long, it was a long time ago, you know. So. Tony, any thoughts on blow up your video? It's okay if you don't. No, like I said before, this is we're in like the uncharted territory for me when it comes to ACDC now. I just never this is a period that I just never really checked out that much. 
All right. So I don't, I don't, I don't have you, a lot you to add. Really, Well, you weren't really wrong, to be honest. You <laughs> it's because it's okay. You didn't miss out better, on much. Better stuff, better stuff is on the horizon. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm the Razor's Edge Authority, which is bizarre uh, in, in this group because it's definitely a record I don't think that hard about. Uh, of course, this is when uh, yeah. Enter Mr. Clean. Uh, Mr. Clean. Thunderstruck, I think, is a fantastic uh, mid to late period ACDC song. I stand by it, sure. again, d- despite baffling production ideas. Uh, I-, I think it works. I think Fire Your Guns is good. I think Money Talks is actually a really great tune. It was actually on the soundtrack for Last Action Hero, if anybody remembers that. But th- that was not, I do. <laughs> that was not a hit in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> What a terrible movie. Uh, it, it, it has, uh, on the on the second side, it has a very forgettable song called Got You by the Balls. So just to let you know that they still got it. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I mean, it's got, it's got like three good songs, which is uh, like two more than the one before it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listened to that record for the first time. Well, actually, no, I listened to that record once on a tour. Uh, somebody played it. And that was literally the first time I'd ever heard that record. And I was like, yeah. But I listened to it recently, and, and um, it was definitely, oh, there's some pretty good songs on this record, you know. I think at the time I was just so against Mr. Clean in a really childish, immature way that has nothing to do with why he's in the band or anything, you know. So I was just like, I just missed Phil Rudd. So I just kind of boycotted um, that record, and also, you know, at the time, their last couple of records kind of stunk, and you know, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't really check, into checking out ACDC again, especially without Phil Rudd. But it was, yeah. it was definitely better than I thought. Right. So I guess what the the, the story goes that uh, they were on tour in Auckland in November 1991, and um, Phil met up with them backstage and kind of made an open-ended pitch that, hey, if something happens with Mr. Clean, man. You know, give me a call. Like I'm down, I'm down to do this again. Uh, Man, I just love envisioning him saying it exactly like that <laughs> and referring to him as, and and calling him Mr. Clean. <laughs> I hope that's what happened. I, I fucking so hope that's what happened. <laughs> it's like, I, hey, hey, bros, um, Mr. Clean doesn't work out. <laughs> why, not? why not? Why <laughs> not? Well, I, I think that right away they just. After that happened, they were like, yeah, you're in. You know, he was gone for like a long time and obviously they missed him. And so they told Mr. Clean or maybe they didn't tell Mr. Clean he was out. But um, yeah, he was back for Ball Breaker. Yeah. Which is a- which they, they put balls in the title because they wanted to let you know it was a return to form. It was. <laughs> Phil, Phil Red was back in the band. He was just as good on drums. And he's even plays some fancy stuff or fancy for Phil Red. Yeah. And um, the, pr- the production of that record is terrible. Not great. Except for the yeah. fact that, except for the fact that I do like the fact that it's bone. It's like terrible in a way I like. It's like super bone dry. There's no production whatsoever. It's just like them playing in the room. But there's like it's even less than that for some reason. Um, and I know that people don't like that record a lot because of uh, its production. Uh, and Rick Rubin produced it. It was Rick Rubin. I, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't think very much of Rick Rubin's production except for Rain of Blood by Slayer, and that's pretty much it, more or less, you know. Um, and I don't, I don't think he did a good job for ACDC, but I think the songs, as dumb as some of them are, 
and the way they play, and especially with Phil Rudd being back, I think that's like, that's my version of the power age of Brian Johnson there. But a lot of people fucking hate that record, so, you know, what do I know? Well, what I would say is that, uh, unlike some of the ones before, they don't have any bad songs. It's not that the songs are fantastic, but none of them are bad. And I think Hard as a Rock is actually kind of an, a forgotten gem uh, for that era. It's interesting that to me, I think one of the, like, the, the best ACDC songs of that era is probably Big Gun, which is only on the Last Action Hero soundtrack. So it's not even on one of the records. Um, but it's okay. Like, I, I remember I despised this record when it came out. I, did, I despised that. I was like, this sucks. And then I listened well, to it again later yeah. and I was like, yeah, it's okay. All right, and Hard as a Rock is a really good tune. They, um, Brian Johnson stopped writing lyrics, so the, the brothers wrote the lyrics, and they, I think, they wanted to make a point of writing some of the dumbest lyrics <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like really, I mean, just like they have to really be as we have to go beyond the pale as far as just total stupidity, and they did. They had songs like Cover You in Oil, which is yeah. you know, just. <laughs> and then there, Come on, there's, even, there's, there's some social commentary on there. There's like, you know, Hail Caesar, and there's a song called Whiskey on the Rocks, and you know, I've been drinking all night long, Whiskey on the Rocks. And um, <laughs> there was like this weird comic book motif going on, and, and, and you know, it, it's, everything's very, really dumb in that ACDC way I like, but it almost goes a little too far, you know? But um, I think musically, it's, it's it's one of my favorite latter-day records. And, um, you know, with a lot of things ACDC, um, when you get past the three or four songs or records that everybody agrees with, everybody I notice thinks something totally different about what they like about, the, um, you know, usually the latter-day records. And, like, a lot of people hate Ballbreaker, and I think it's one of the best, best ones. And I saw them on that tour. And they were really good. I, I saw them in Raleigh. I was surrounded by thousands of, of drunk rednecks, and it was really exciting, exciting night to uh, dodge being beat up or being thrown up on or whatever. And they played Jack, and guess what I did? I went to the bathroom. Just the way there you go, oh. right during the Jack, I'm sure, right on schedule. <laughs> yeah, time to go. So, yeah. Uh, you know, now that you mentioned that, I think. I think I went to the bathroom during the Jack when I saw them too. <laughs> it's a perfect time to go. They're providing a service for you. You know I when know. it's time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, it's the Jack. Time to go. Time to go fight my way through the rednecks and go use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is the there's the bonfire box set that happened uh, as well. That's not like an official yeah. album, but I think it's interesting enough that we should uh, at least briefly touch on it. I, I worked at a record store when that came out, so I was pretty pretty into that. You get like some um, keychain alternate. I yeah, you, you get on. some cool stuff. There's actually like like the uh, the, the motif, you know, bonfire. There's like a flames and, and stuff like that, and, and, it's, and it's meant to be to celebrate the. Uh, Celebrate the life of Bon Scott. There you go. There you go. Uh, Brian Wallsby, yeah. of course, showing it. It's uh, upside down, but he's showing it. Uh, the, the box. Oh, sorry. There. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's got a re- it's got a remaster of Back in Black, which is almost worth it for the price alone. Frankly, uh, sounds great. And yeah, sounds good. Bunch of like cool liner notes and rare pictures, things along those lines. Uh, and they got some flack at the time. 
for kind of having some stuff that wasn't released anywhere else and for only having this high-priced box set. It was like, you know, kind of seems like not a proletariat move. Like, there's a Live from Atlantic Studios thing that's included, uh, which has, like, all of their best songs and the Jack. <laughs> I think the Jack's on here, like, six times. Of course it is. <laughs> How would it not? Um, wait, wait, let's count. One, two, yep. She's Got Balls is on here, too. <laughs> Thank God. But... <laughs> The soundtrack for uh, the movie Let Me Be Bop is also on here, and that's that's really good sounding. Yeah, I mean, I think oh. it's I think it's it's one of the rare box sets. I think it's actually kind of worth. I don't remember how much it was at the time, but whatever it was, I felt like it was worth the money. And it's, um, you know, of course you can just like fire it all up on YouTube now. But uh, it was really yep. cool at the time. Hearing at the time, I was really really getting into the Bon Scott era ACDC, so it was something where I was like, oh wow, that's cool. Like it's great to hear. You know the versions of like some of these songs that like you know I, I would hear later, and, and kind of uh, get to geek out on that. That was a nice release. Yeah. There's um there's a song there's a version of uh, well actually it's a totally different song but there's like a song called Touch Too Much on there but the but the lyrics are totally different totally and the music yep yeah it's, it's and it's really good it's really good yeah it's basically the same song title but it's a completely different song. And um, yeah, there's Backseat Confidential, which is sort of like an early version of Beating Around the Bush. Yeah. Backseat Confidential! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's that's the Bonfire box set. Uh, the next proper record isn't until February of 2000, Stiff Upper Lip. Yes. Um, that's that's a subdued, bluesy-sounding record with George Young producing. And I'd say two thirds of it is really good, and it kind of peters out at the end. But Meltdown, House of Jazz, the title track. There's a song called Satellite Blues that's really good. good. Safe in New York City. Um, Brian's voice is starting to come back to him a little bit more. Um, you know, um, again, I understand why people wouldn't like it. Some people really hate it. Some people agree with me. Um, I think Step Upper Lip and Ball Breaker are my two favorite latter-day um, ACDC records. I'd agree with you with Satellite Blues. I think that's a great tune. Uh, I think the title track is really good. I actually think Safe in New York City is an underrated song within the uh, latter-day pantheon of ACDC. I think it's uh, it's inventive, and, and it's cool. I think it's a good record. You know, there's no uh, there's no explicitly bad songs. There's a bunch of stuff where it's like, yep, that sounds like more ACDC, all right. And you know, it, it, it does no harm, I guess, which is, which is what sure. you can say about other records. Uh, any stiff yes. upper lip thoughts, Tony? Nope. I don't think I've ever even heard it, to be honest. <laughs> you probably There's heard it. You probably heard it on tour. I play I play a couple of the tunes off it now and again, just can't see if anyone's paying attention. And they usually Maybe. I'm actually gathering a lot from this conversation, though. Um, I'm taking a lot of notes mentally about what to check out and what not to because yeah like this whole period or era that I've just bypassed and never given a second thought to um, I'm going to reconsider some of that and check out like Ball Breaker and stuff like that because I'm, I'm just I just don't about it but, the pandemic's still going on yeah I was going to say thing. you still you still got time also you turned into a robot there I don't know what happened with your audio but uh we, we, we got we got what you were saying. Yeah, you suddenly sound you suddenly sound like you're um, being bit crushed or something. I don't know why. 
Uh, still? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, it brings a new dimension to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> but we're almost done. We're almost done. With we're the almost conversation. at the end of it. Yeah, it, it's fine. Andrew, Andrew, Tony can close it out. It's okay. Uh, do you think anyone's gonna listen? Is gonna actually listen to this whole thing? I bet somebody will. It'll be pretty interesting. Well, yes, and that's like the kind of been the biggest surprise about putting people talking <laughs> on the internet is people who actually do. Uh, but yeah, Black Ice. You're just talking about Black Ice. Brian, yeah, I like it. I, I like it. All of a sudden, as of out of this, as of this morning, I played it to get ready for talking with you guys tonight. I want to play these other records to see. Well, you know, maybe I'll like. Uh, I'll like. Uh, uh, um, fuck, what's it called? Fly on the wall. Maybe I'll like fly on the wall. <laughs> nope, that didn't work. But then I put on black eyes, and I was like, why do I not like this? This most of this is really, really good. You know, it, it's that same sort of formula of more ACDC, but maybe a little better, a little more clever, subtle stuff. And then, for whatever reason, I think some of the songs remind me of like the Rolling Stones, but obviously, even there's similarities, they don't really sound alike, but they're from the same school, I guess. I don't know why I think that. But yeah, I, 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 as of this morning, I think Black Eyes is a good one. <laughs> My first exposure to that was I saw a video for it, and I was on a plane. I don't remember where I was going or what I was doing. I was on a plane, and there was a, there was a video of it, and it was just them playing live. But there were these, I can only call them reverse spotlights, that were like dark spots kind of going around them. And, and I realized, I was just really confused by all of them. I realized, oh, it's made to obscure how fucking old they are. Like, because it was like, it was like, think of spotlights, but like darkness instead, right? And that, that's like what it was. And I didn't understand like why they were doing that or who they were attempting to fool or, or to what end. But I remember thinking that Rock and Roll Train was, it was, I was like, oh, this is a good tune. It sounds like ACDC. Right on. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Um, I, I don't. I don't think of it. It's not like the first one I go to, but it's, it's certainly not one of the darker moments of the career either. Um, it's solid. There's a couple good tunes on it. Um, I think it's annoying that they have a song called Big Jack because it just references the Jack, and it's like enough, enough, enough of that. That's it. I thought that was a good song. I was like. Oh, Dumb. It sounds like you're singing, singing into a hamburger, like a jumbo jack. Now maybe I like it a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna listen to it after this is over. That is a pretty good song. I just envisioned Brian Johnson with a big hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another uh, there's another box set that's after that um, called Backtracks. This uh, kind of similarish thing. The the big thing is that the the DVD is Family Jewels, which of course it's like oh they they they've matured. They call it a they call it Family Jewels now. <laughs> I wish I bu- I wish I bought that. There's a lot of really good uh, videos coming. 
There is. Most of it's now on the internet. Honestly, you don't, you don't really have to. But uh, it, it's, it's good. It, it came in a little uh, kind of guitar amplifier. So that was kind of cool. There's a big there's a big booklet. Can't look at that on YouTube. Uh, oh, we have that here uh, at the house, actually. Uh, yeah, like the little amp is sitting downstairs. Yeah. You can actually like, pull it, like plug into it and play it. It sounds like total shit, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to give him A for effort for that, though. How do you know? Uh, so before before we move on to the next studio album, I just want to give a quick shout out that Iron Man, uh, specific, uh, specifically Iron Man 2, the soundtrack, made uh, great use of ACDC and kind of brought ACDC to a new generation. Um, I like the first Iron Man a lot. I like Iron Man 2. Okay, third one's on there. Great. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of plays like a little bit like a uh, like sort of like a best of, frankly, especially a, a best of um, yeah, like two thirds of like the Bon Scott era and like a third Brian Johnson stuff. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. decent. That a lot of people came into ACDC because of that. That's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm bringing it up. Uh, then we kind of go back. We covered it earlier. Uh, the fall of Malcolm Young. Steve Albini actually said that he thought that the record should be called Man Down which I think would have been amazing. Uh, but they called it, they didn't call it Man Down, they called it Rocker Bust. How do we feel about Rocker Bust? Um, at the time it came out, I was just kind of excited because I was rooting for them, especially with what happened to Malcolm. And, um, and I think my excitement of it got the best of, uh, the best of my judgment. Uh, yeah, this is good. And now it's like, yeah, there's a couple of good songs. And so that's, <laughs> that, so that's my, uh, that's my, there's a couple of good songs on this ACDC record, ACDC record. Um, it's all right. There's, I think, um, the title tracks. All right. And the song play ball, you know, that's that word ball in there one more time. And the rest just it's like, you know, pretty much what a lot of people think, uh, about current ACDC, with the exception of uh, the new record being instantly likable, uh, I think it's okay, you know. Um, but it's it's not. It's that and um, Fly on the Wall and Blow Up the Video. Those are my three least favorite ACDC. Records. The Rocker Bus is my. And, it's okay. You don't want to talk yeah. trash, right? I mean, because they're go- they're going through like a, a huge, and I'm the same way. Like I think I think Rocker Bust and Play Ball again is uh, you know those, those are good tunes. I, you got to give them credit for. It. There's a song called Miss Adventure, so it's like all right, <laughs> right on, guys. Uh, and then the last song is called um, Mission Control, which is like wow. All right, you got you got you got a man down, and you're still calling a song a Mission Control. So you know, it's, it's like the spirit, I think a- the spirit is there. Yeah, I think a man called missionary control. <laughs> Got some rock and roll thunder. I don't even remember that one, but that's okay. I do. He goes, oh, and, uh, the songs barely exist. You know, it's like there's like three parts, and they're in there and out there, and you're like, oh. But yeah. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll play it tomorrow, or it'll be. Oh, this is really good. You know, it, it, it does happen. So I feel like Rocker Bust is in a rare echelon of records that is also like that Nick Cave record that after his son died what, what is someone going to do pan it? I think that record's boring as crap like I, I don't like it at all uh, and I, I like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds a lot over the various iterations but that one 
I just don't, I just don't dig it. And like, I, everyone's, oh, it's so good, it's so good. I'm like, is it though? Like, I mean, like, is it a sympathetic thing? Like, I mean, I don't want to listen to this. Like, I, I, I've tried many times. Like, and then I'm like, am I the monster for thinking this? But I'm like, no, man. I think this is just like a mediocre record. And that, that's kind of how I feel about Rocker Bust. There's a couple good tunes on it. Good on them. You know, like that's incredible. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine being in that situation. So I'm not gonna talk trash, but um, it's yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's like one of my one of my favorite metal bands is this band Voivod, and the guy that was the mainstay guitar player, pivotal guy, he died tragically, and he left some uh, music behind, and they the band, in a very well-meaning, obviously great gesture, felt compelled to finish that stuff for him in a way similar to Rock or Bust, and. It's okay, you know. Um, yeah. You don't no, want I mean, the guy to be like, "This blows," but like, it's like. No, no. I mean, I, I, when you you know <laughs> when you understand, do? yeah, when you understand the reasoning behind it, it's like, yeah, you almost feel kind of bad for not liking it more than you do. But um, right. I think the triumphant moment for ACDC was certainly the new record for sure, and the timing of it, and the fact that it was actually better than the last couple of records. Yeah. Or something, you know. Just there's something that was immediately likable about it, you know. So, I mean, uh, it's yeah. still early for me, but I would actually say I think Power Up is potentially one. It it, it possibly is their best record since for those about to rock. Um, I'm not gonna say from Back in Black, but it, it, it's up there. Like, and and that's and that's that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of stuff since then. And, you know, we covered that pretty adequately, but I think we've missed the time is like awesome. You know, like, it, it's nice to hear Brian do the witches spell. You know, like that's like, you know, he's, he's owning it. Good on him. Um, yeah, again, I didn't even think about the, the lyrics for rejection at all, which are fucking terrible, like objectively. That's my only gripe with the album. Honest to God. Like, I think every, I think it's a great album that just, I just thought that was a little weird. I mean, and as I stated in the beginning, like, I mean, if you're looking to ACDC for, like, you know, quality lyrical content, you're clearly <laughs> barking up the wrong fucking tree. But that just kind of bummed me out a little bit. Like, once Stephanie pointed that out to me, I was like, oh, man, you're kind of right. That, that sucks. But it's, it's such a good record, and all the songs are great. Like... That's like the one drag about it, and I can probably, I can probably, honest, honestly, I can probably look past it. I just need to hear the record a few more times. I think. Yeah, it's a bummer. You have to look past it, though. That that that, that is something that you, you would have hoped there would have been someone in the room to be like, dude. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not like that could be misconstrued. That's like, uh, are you doing a thing there? Are you like writing as a rapist? Like, what? What are you? What are you, what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> Angus, what are you doing? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, power up. Let's just do closing thoughts. Uh, Tony, closing thoughts on ACDC, the ACDC legacy, ACDC as a band. Any last ACDC thoughts or balls jokes? <laughs> I don't have time for all the ball, all the balls jokes. <laughs> God, I mean. I mean what a phenomenal band. I mean, from the beginning up until at least 
uh, the second album with the new singer who had who had to fill those massive shoes. I mean, and then there's a whole period that is kind of off my radar, but because of talking to you guys about it tonight, I feel somewhat uh, like compelled. Uh, uh, and with, uh, just to like check out all these other albums, like even even if they totally blow, I still kind of just want to hear them. <laughs> but um, some of them blow less than you may think they are going to blow. Also, yeah. I mean, they're just a great band. I mean, they're, they just have so much going on. Like they're um, a deceptively simple band with riffs all day, hooks all day. Like some of the best sounding rock and roll records ever made. Right on. That's awesome. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go second here and just say that uh, kind of one up to everything Tony said. Uh, in my younger days, as I mentioned, ACDC was a, a escape from for me. That I, I'm always going to remember. And good rock music is good rock music. They had riffs, they had songs, and I get pissed at people that say they wrote the same song over and over again because you know to a certain degree, yeah, sure, but there there's more nuance to them, and a lot more balls and I think that's the legacy of ACDC and I'm, I'm really glad <laughs> I'm really glad to have uh, been able to have a discussion with you guys because I think that's um, it's something we don't get to it's not ACDC is not the kind of band that gets this kind of deep level critical analysis and even though we're coming up from the position of fans I think it's actually kind of worthwhile and I hope some people get something out of it and then I'm going to give the floor over to you Brian Walsby since uh, this you, you were the one that kind of inspired the whole thing and this whole uh, yeah. crazy shit I, I just started yeah I just started talking about them non-stop and, and recently and just you know um, they were a very important band and they still kind of are you know um, yeah obviously it's not going to be the same now that they're like 73, 69 years old but to bounce back from Everything, everything they've been through and release a really good record for being a legacy band, you know, um, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, there, there's some other bands that still have a pretty high quality, like Cheap Trick, you know, they're still, yeah. they're still really good. And um, a few other I can't think of right now, but, you know, they were important to me when I was a kid. Uh, I'm glad that, um, you know, the passing of time is obviously, you know, uh, one's mortality is uh, a, a real concept and i just like the fact that for at least a little bit more time being at the ages that uh, all of us are that there's still this thing to um it's nice that acdc is still a band and we're talking about them at this late date of uh of time passing you know so um it's kind of hard not to be sentimental and um you know, they're, they're an exercise in simplicity and being subtle. And within that one song that they write, there's like a whole universe that they manage to constantly do these things. And uh, and they seem like really nice people, you know? They, they seem really unaffected by their their fame, you know? They, they just seem like regular humble people that play the game when they have to and just go into hiding when when they don't and um i'm happy for all those guys to um for 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 this is like a victory lap you know and good for them you know so that's i guess i'll leave it uh i'll leave it there and thank you uh for asking me to take part in this 
It was fun. Absolutely. Brian Walsby, Tony Ash, this has been Hell's Balls, a Protonic <laughs> Reversal special <laughs> about ACDC. And it's been uh, it's been great. This, this has been great fun. I'd I, I just like to point out that everybody at the beginning was like, oh, I don't know how in the world we're going to talk about ACDC for that long. And uh, we've actually gone longer than we originally said that we were going to. And I feel like we could go longer still because just like the music of ACDC, uh, it deceptively simple uh but there's a lot to unpack and uh, and understand it's, it's been really cool uh, going through this with you guys yeah man likewise well, thanks. thanks for having me thanks for having me all right guys good luck <laughs> see you on the internet okay balls. Bye. <laughs> balls. and in summation balls, balls. <laughs> All right, Hell's Balls for Protonic Reversal Special. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Here's some ACDC.
Ah, 